0: With lim is, is available to the billions on youtube in 4k and available on pandora pod ca, uh google podcast apple podcast it's, tr- it's pod, traditional that you stumble this part. <laughs> yeah pod <laughs> po, uh Castbox, Podchaser, uh and so many other platforms i'm a software engineer i'm your host i'm lim and i bring the pers- oh wow i did that really backwards I bring this per- perspective of a software engineer doing that for about two decades. And today my sidekick is
1: Emmett Morgan. I am a local Las Vegas realtor. I have a degree in accounting and I am friends to all crypto enthusiasts. I'm a friend to the crypto lover. <laughs> is that a pair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you love crypto, talk to me. I will tell you not to gamble. Uh, we are lucky. Lim has connected with a... Cryptocurrency expert. I, w- I would call him an expert. We we got a dude named Superfizz. Superfizz, can you explain to us the world of cryptocurrency? No, I'm just kidding. What do you what is your role <laughs> in the cryptocurrency world? What do you do?
2: Hey,
3: yeah. So I'm Superfizz. Um I, I try to avoid fancy titles, so I, I don't like to think of myself as anyone special, but I call myself the Beacon Chain Health Consultant. And I a I organize a group called ETHStaker. Um, We are a group of seven people and a community of about 40,000 people um, who work to improve access to staking on the Ethereum beacon chain.
1: Awesome.
0: Awesome. So we spend three hours talking about ETH 2.0 and then audience, if you're involved in ETH currently, ETH 1.0. Uh, you may want to listen to this because ETH 1.0 is going to merge into 2.0, so you could understand a little bit more about it. But we do talk a little bit more about staking and mining, futuristic thoughts on cryptocurrency, blockchain. Um, actually, I jumped to the end already. But then before that, we talk about why ETH staking is important,
1: the community, the diversity of it, and yeah, sup- Superfizz is a wealth of knowledge that uh, for the average person, we don't get a window into this deep of a level of the cryptocurrency uh, not just the community, but what's going on with cryptocurrency. You know, we, we see things in the news, we see things, we see market movements and we see prices moving around and we hear about NFTs, but we don't understand this stuff as well as somebody who's doing it all day, every day. So it's really cool to talk to SuperFizz and, and and dig in here. Uh, and then I think there's a part about dick pics. <laughs> yeah, so audience, stay tuned for the dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> right, <damn it>. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: so... Do you need it? What was that? The Do you big. want it? Only <laughs> <laughs> uh, the drawing, not the actual drawing.
4: I'm, I'm confused. Are we serious Are we okay hold on. I
3: actually uh I was looking for this during the episode. I'm gonna find it.
1: <laughs> you gotta do a bloopers at the end. No, I think I'm gonna keep this for oh, the go. intro. I got it. <laughs> Dun, so,
2: dun, dun. Oh, <laughs>
0: so that's printed out uh, <laughs> you delivered the goods
2: so fizz thank
4: you for this
0: opportunity so you you're kind of the leader for the east stakers community would you how would you kind of describe <laughs> that in a deeper explanation
3: yeah to call me the the leader it's kind of a a heavy mantle like i i like to think of myself as maybe like an organizer and someone who tries to uh get others to work together um but yeah i founded Ethstaker. staker i don't know a couple years ago maybe 2018 Mm. um and uh i really just try to connect uh the community with uh with each other and and really just sort of um increase community capacity in ethereum staking
1: so the yeah so the goal behind this community is to organize everybody that wants to transition to proof of stake on ethereum is that the goal
3: yeah um so proof of stake is going to happen no matter what we do
2: Um,
3: my i came around here because um, i was an original staker on the ethereum one network uh, in 2014-15 and uh, it was very much a every man for himself kind of thing. And with Whoa, proof of... Sorry, 2014,
0: take? 2015?
3: Yeah, so before before Ethereum actually launched on mainnet, uh, there was a, a testnet called Olympic. Mm. Uh, and um, I was a GPU miner on that network. And we actually got got rewards for mining blocks on the Olympic network, which it turns out that's actually where my bit of stash
1: came from
2: okay so yeah um
1: so to explain to our our listeners that are new to this so cryptocurrency is um money on a blockchain or, or a cryptocurrency tool on a blockchain ethereum is one of the most popular and most capable and useful um cryptocurrencies around so um early days you were mining which is using your computer to help facilitate transactions, and then you would get a small transaction fee. Uh, But since it it was prior to the main net, you were staking instead of mining, is that?
3: Well, um, and and we really should back up um, because we're kind of talking about how I started with Ethereum, but really my previous experience led up to my interest in Ethereum. Okay. should I? Can I start from the beginning? Is that okay?
1: Yeah, let's yeah. Do it. Start in the dark web.
3: So uh, what? <laughs> I don't <think> that, um, <laughs> Oh no! Okay, that's where it started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like one of the only people who didn't start by buying drugs. Like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably too clean for my own oh good. As a matter of fact, uh, on Silk Road, um, I wanted to sell cookies. Uh, and there's another platform called Open Bazaar. <laughs> I'm. I, God, I'm so serious. Like I was Special like, you know cookies. what? There are there are people who want to use this technology. Who don't yeah. want to break the law, and so what they <laughs> need is is just something they can purchase that is that's normal. And so um, I was like begging my wife, I was like, "Can we can we make cookies and sell them on the dark web?" And she's ah. like, well, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, "You know, chocolate chip cookies." And she <laughs> he was like, "You know, they're gonna think you're breaking some kind of line. you
2: know
1: guilt by association."
3: <laughs> um, it didn't fly, but it was gonna be an awesome idea.
1: Yeah, no, like yeah. you're you're asking the feds to look at you. Yeah.
3: Well, and, um, it's so funny. I, when I talk to people, when I introduce new people, um, I'm always like, uh, do everything above board. Like don't, unless you actually intend to break the law, don't right. give anyone a reason to think twice about you. Pay your taxes, encourage others to pay their taxes, be an honest, open citizen on the web um, because you, you really don't want to give anyone a chance to wonder about your motives
1: yeah um, Fizz is a good dude we know this
3: I mean I, I, tr- <laughs> I I'm not <laughs> I have I have my faults but I I do I do believe in the greater good I I believe in community I believe in caring for others um I believe so I, it's funny I, I don't believe in the religious concept of karma but oh. I believe in like a literal concept of karma where we should all do good things and expect others or, you know, assume that others will do good by us. Right. Um, it, it just, it, Good it's vibes really,
1: will attract more good vibes.
3: Yeah. I, I believe that I'm comfortable with that.
1: So for the, for the record, uh, none of the three of us is a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. This is our opinions and observations about a growing asset class called cryptocurrency. Yep. Is that a, okay clear fair. yeah now we can say what the fuck we want <laughs>
3: <laughs> so i uh, safe
1: moon no don't no my, uh, fuck
0: safe moon oh, oh and, <laughs> sorry
3: well, I, I always i always joke sorry. that that i'm a 60 year old um like i i love to <laughs> to exaggerate my age um yeah. and it feels like i have even with friends been dealing with troll comments for so long that mm-hmm. like it, it just loses it loses amusement at some point like in my private group with my local friends, they're like, you know, BitConnect, and I'm like, oh God, like <laughs> it's not even funny anymore. Just please, please stop. But it it's never old for some people.
1: I tell you, it's uh, funny. If you really were an old man trapped in a young body, you would have sold butter pecan cookies, not chocolate chip,
2: <laughs> and mm, not use cryptocurrency. <laughs> maybe that's why my idea failed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay sorry. So, so
1: to rewind it back to your totally legit origins. Yeah, Sorry.
3: Um, okay, so it all goes back to my great-great-grandfather. Wow, Not really, I'm, shit. Okay. I'm Yeah, it's getting fun. Growing up, I've always been a collector. Uh, like, I, you know, as a kid, I was into comic books. Um, hmm. I've always, always, um, you know, I was, I was like a kid. Anyone else, like I dreamed of like having, you know, millions of dollars. Um, yeah. And I've always been a tech enthusiast. Um, I, um, I, I, remember seeing whatever, 286, uh, like the very first, like these were DOS machines way back in, uh, yeah. is that an 80s. Intel processor?
1: Is that what you're talking yeah, about?
3: Yeah. Intel i286 processors, uh, way back when, oh, they're, I guess they're 8286 processors. Um, mm. and so I would see those other people's houses and I got very interested in them um and i ended up getting like an (laughs) amiga 500 computer
1: you had processor envy
3: yeah (laughs) so i mowed
1: i mowed lawns
3: i mowed lawns when i was like 11 and uh i knew this this lady whose husband he was in the military and he was away but he had a computer and i would always like like ask if i could you know could come and check it out we played oregon trail in the library at school. yeah um but i was obsessed with those so things like um Collecting things with money, Um, and even then, I was a miner. I was a hole digger, Uh, and so I I, just—I've—I've always been some kind of miner. Yeah. Um, So fast forward to 2011, Um, I uh, was working as a counselor. I have, you know, spent my nights on Reddit, on Slashdot, on Hacker News, um, and I saw an article. It was like. It was on Slashdot at that time. Um, Bitcoin uh, currency revolutionizes finance or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember at that moment, like, I froze. I was like, just the word Bitcoin said everything to me at that moment. And so um, I got, I, I read the article and um, I just, I like, I didn't do anything else that night. Like it, w- I just dove as hard as I could into Bitcoin. Uh, I didn't have I didn't have powerful hardware, so um, I, yeah. I I set up a, a miner on uh, you know whatever computer I had. Uh, it didn't do any good. Like there was no no value to it at all. Uh, it but wasn't I spent the next
1: enough to make you. No. Okay. You not,
3: have- like I no payout at all.
1: So even back then, was it uh, ASICs based? Like, would you need no, ASICs no? Okay. So
3: uh, the first generation was CPU mining, and the the event that triggered the article that I saw was the first uh, GPU miner. Uh, then it was wow. called uh, it was called PockleBM. It was a Python OpenCL Bitcoin miner. Yeah, hmm. Pockel That's right. Um, and it, it was you know it was kind of a big event, and I was running PockleBM and but without a GPU. So I was doing this for like six weeks still as I'm reading and like trying to get more into it. And I was like, I'm not getting any coins. And I didn't really understand why. <laughs> I want my bitcoins. coins. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so at, at some point I decided that I should, um, my credit card was run up and I was like, I have to get a GPU. And uh. so um, I purchased a, uh, a Radeon HD 5830 uh, you can see my my first three GPUs are framed on the wall now. Oh, man, um, yeah. we we should do that with
1: ours, our GPUs. Yeah, yeah, because we don't know what to do with the old. Our, GPUs. <laughs> we, it's just stashed <laughs> in a box. If you have
3: if you have like a couch that isn't level, you can really like shove a GPU under there and it'll, it'll prop it up.
1: <laughs> no, that's a
2: great uh, idea. But yeah, that's
3: that is where I started uh, Bitcoin mining, and I um, it was great. I it was I was obsessed with it. Um, I didn't really have money to put in it and Bitcoin didn't really have any value.
1: Right. But, for a long time, it was very small, yeah. small beans.
0: But, but in 2012 was a decent, uh, was it like a 10 or 100x in 2012?
1: Yeah. I want to
3: say it went to about $30 in 2012. Mm. And um, let me tell you what a financial genius I was. <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> bought Shit. all the
1: pizza I could find. <laughs> I,
3: I sold. Everything at thirty-one dollars. Yes. Um, no, because it's so overpriced. Like, really, yeah. like who is really gonna pay thirty dollars? Only some sucker would do that because I you know, I was mining at two and three dollars. Yeah. So um I paid off my credit card and I was sitting pretty. Like, damn, yeah. I was proud. I was proud of my victory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Wait, let me,
1: I have to ask how many Bitcoin are we talking about? Because that 30 bucks a pop you got back then. Uh, the 30, I, I honestly. Now, the thousand extra now.
3: I honestly do not recall. Okay. um, It it was, it was in the range of 1, 000, okay, uh, like some, a thousand. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you paid uh, off your credit cards, you know, you wasn't like you wasted it. And-
3: yeah. Yeah. It I was- mean, I, it was so funny because it felt very valuable to me. Yeah. Uh, but even at, as it felt very valuable, I couldn't see it, see anyone paying more than $30 for it. Mm, like yeah. it, it just, it never, Who who's going to pay that much money for a digital token. Mm-hmm. And don't forget at that time, I went to sleep every night with a 50% likelihood that I was going to wake up in the morning and the whole thing would collapse. Like, yeah. There was no no certainty to it then. There was no like, yeah. literally probably the first five years, even longer. Right. I I would honestly wake up in the morning just to see if it still existed. Uh, <laughs> Is this thing still going? Is it? And you know there there's the uh, the Lindley Lindy principle, I believe. The longer something exists, yeah. uh, gives you greater certainty that it will exist that much longer. So yeah. now you know being. 10 12 years in uh, I don't wake up in the morning to see if it still exists mm. but there's always that you know that twinge of uncertainty
1: I was just telling Lim yesterday I was on a text chain with some friends uh, I was like hey you know if this keeps going the way it's going one day we're going to be rich unless it all collapses to zero then we won't we'll have to replan our adult future lives <laughs> yeah. yeah that's I'm I'm all about you've got it. you've got to
3: take gains like you cannot uh, you cannot shoot for the moon and not take gains along the way because you never know what's going to happen.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, and maybe we'll talk later about uh, what is it, March twelfth, two thousand eighteen, uh, mm. when ETH went. From, that was the day they declared the pandemic, and ETH went from something like twelve hundred bucks to eighty bucks, like mm. that. Um, it was it was a rough experience, but
1: yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, Sorry. Back to your grandfather. You've got, you've got <laughs> GPUs on the wall. Grand, Moses. Grand, grandfather. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, General Rutherford.
3: <laughs> at that point, at that point I had about five GPUs. Um, and I had gotten rid of my bitcoins and I started mining again. Um, yeah. I did some training on Mt. Gox. Um, I did not get Gox. I never left money on exchange, but mm-hmm. I, I did some trading and, and did okay there. Uh, and
1: then Did you say I did not get
3: goxed? Yeah, so Gox <laughs>
1: Yes. Goxing
3: is, you know, the 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 verb term of leaving money on Mt. Gox when they yeah. went insolvent. Um yeah. and I you know, I, I have friends now. One of my buddies still every every week is like, Ah, I can't believe I left all my money on Mt. Gox and he's still looking for some <laughs> kind of some kind of payout. And yeah. um I don't know if that's gonna happen, but it just
1: it's gone. There's nobody to track down, right? Well, they no, they have, um,
0: what's his name? Mark. Uh, Mark Carpalese Car- They have him in uh-huh. custody. He's going to go through trial. Mm. But even then, I don't know that even if they, if he. There is a
2: fund.
3: There's a stash. Mm. Uh, it, it is It is a percentage of the original coins, mm. but it is there. And uh, they're, m- my very basic understanding is that they're trying to get people to accept different levels of a settlement. Um, so that they can liquidate those coins uh, and that my friend who thinks he knows what's going on I don't really know for sure or not is like you have to hold till the very end uh, That's right hold so, out yeah yeah so
1: um, okay so you didn't you didn't get goxed.
3: yeah and then so that I, I'm you know building my stash back again um, I had great experiences with mining. Um, then Bitcoin Asics came along. Uh, Jeff Garsick, I remember ran the first, uh, ASIC minor, which I watched intently. It was, it was just a huge event. Um, and like shortly on, after, on
1: YouTube or what, how do you watch a guy ASIC?
3: running? Uh, you know, I think he did. Well, so it, it was mostly chat threads then. Okay. Um, but there were pictures. I think he posted a picture of it running. I don't recall if there was a YouTube video or not. Gotcha. Um, but I, I have a clear image of him doing it in my mind and just remembering the celebration. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's not fun to watch a video of a miner humming away. Speak for <laughs> Dude. yourself. Dude,
3: and who you are? I I you have are. watched miners operating for hours. I don't even don't even do the terminal.
2: <laughs>
3: Let me watch the hum of the fan and I'm I'm set. Like I'm good. We're a, we need a live feed of a miner running. <laughs> oh, hey. So uh, Eastaker is trying to put up a live feed of a validator running. So Yeah. yeah. Anyway, other story. Um yeah, so that excitement over Asics led me to Butterfly Labs, um, which is a terrible, horrible company in retrospect. Oh. Um, but they they collected a lot of funds to sell Asics. Um, I used pretty much my whole stash again to buy Asics oh, from Butterfly wow. Labs. You were and,
1: reinvesting in the future.
3: Oh. Yeah, and you know the scheme then, and we we knew it was that chip manufacturers would manufacture chips mm-hmm. and mine with them. They would test them for, you know, 10 weeks to make sure that they were up to standard. Um, and then they would ship them, which really killed the critical time uh, of value. Uh, and so that was my, my second loss.
2: Um, Wait,
1: so so the idea is you're going to run this uh, processor, this this uh, ASICS miner? So ASICS, is it a processor? Is that- yeah, it's it's
2: an
3: application specific integrated circuit. It is basically a piece of silicon that only does one job.
1: Okay, so it's designed to just crunch through this sort of operation. And, yeah, and in that case, it.
3: it's yeah, it's SHA two fifty six is is the one algorithm that those ASICs are designed to do. Yeah. Um, and and so as a manufacturer,
2: yeah.
3: uh, what what they do is they put the product together and then they test it by. Setting it to mine and mm-hmm. setting it on a shelf, yeah. uh, and so for them it's making really great returns. Yeah. And when it's when it's not a great return anymore, they've already pre-sold it, and then they're like, "Well, it's done manufacturing; we can ship it now." And so they get rid of their junk because they've already sold it. And as a consumer, yeah, I wind up with it. And is it like know,
1: is it like they're burning out that that um, piece of hardware? And using no, it,
3: it it doesn't. It doesn't use up the piece of hardware. It, the ASICs can run for years, uh, yeah. but blockchain difficulty, the mining difficulty, uh-huh. uh, at that time was climbing exponentially. Mm. So, um, in fact, it, it would like double or triple in a matter of weeks.
1: So they're grabbing um, up the easy money before giving you the hardware.
3: Yep, and okay. and by that time they're on to manufacturing a newer generation of miner that is yeah. ten times faster than the last generation, and they just rinse and repeat. Yeah. Do you think,
0: looking back, because the value of Bitcoin and Ethereum cryptocurrencies, they just they continue to go up if you look at the long term. But then, so those that hardware, even though, say, a user buying that hardware would lose ten weeks, but in the long run they still gain. So it's not really that bad in the would. Still a i still. Didn't, okay.
3: didn't really gain i mean let's yeah. say that i i paid 20 eth for mm. i'm sorry 20 bitcoin for an asic miner from the moment i get that asic miner back it's a mad race to mm. get those 20 bitcoins mined again oh, it was um, and anything after that is profit and mm. oh. um so let's especially so let's say that uh bitcoin was forty dollars uh and so i paid 20 bitcoins times $40. I paid $800 for a miner. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, 10 weeks later, Bitcoin is $300. -hmm. Um, But the difficulty of mining is so significantly higher that I'm really ending up with like fractions of a coin. Uh, So it's a poor economic scenario situation. But at the time, it, it takes, it, you don't know it. Like you're, you're taking this risk that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot like what I see with NFTs now, like um, you, you buy something spastically with the hope that it could return 10 X profit. Um, mm. But then you find out, you know, well, someone else is smarter than I am and I didn't win that game. Mm.
1: So um, yeah. So, uh, so should we, so as an analogy, like say if you were a taxi driver and you go, man, taxi rates are insane right now, I'm going to order a new taxi so I can, cause you gotta have a special taxi to drive people around <laughs> and then the taxi company, uh, builds you a taxi and the, and they go, well, uh, we can't give it to you for about 10 weeks. And in that 10 weeks, they're driving around all these high paying customers. And by the time you get the taxi, they were going to give you, they grabbed up all the easy money. And then now, and when you get your taxi, things are more difficult and less profitable. By the time you get it,
3: let's say they they didn't keep it for ten weeks because that's taxi time. Let's talk about, or let's that's crypto time. In taxi time, that's twenty years. They kept Mm -hmm. that taxi for twenty years, driving it around, and -hmm. when they gave it to you,
2: um,
3: you know, fuel efficiency standards had changed. Uh, There's no, not really, any significant value to it. But you paid for it, and now you've got it, and you're going to try and squeeze your value back out of it.
1: Right, you got you got this thing that only does taxi rides. You got to use it. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> is that a helpful analogy or am I complicating? No, no, that, that was great. That's perfect. They <laughs> okay. they
3: they sucked the value out of the resource before they delivered it to the customer. Yeah. That's Um. Okay. So, and I actually, I believe they went on trial for that. I don't. I know the company is oh, wow. dissolved. And it, there was quite a bit of hate going on.
1: So that was the um, second time you almost got rich on Bitcoin. Is that?
3: I, I mean, I, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't mean to give you a hard time i'm just trying to no understand. no Sorry. i don't so
3: <laughs> I, it's, it's awkward for me to talk about like in terms of getting rich because one man's rich another man's rich like um it, it, it's yeah. another time that i would say i i like to i say i blew my stack like okay. that's definitely the second time i blew my stack and it has happened okay. again since then um
1: the story so, continues. Yeah, at this point, I'm like,
3: I'm in love with what I'm doing. I, I, the,
1: the taxi crashes into helicopters.
3: People at work are like, dude shut up nobody cares about your stupid computer crap Um,
2: yeah Yeah, whatever bro
3: i'm like the dude handing out private keys at work being like hey man check this out and they're like dude take just take it please just go away and yeah i'm
1: trying to watch the baseball game my
3: facebook friend count just falls every day because like every every day it's the same post like please check out at that time it was bitcoin and like yeah block mute yeah yeah. So, um, you know, it, okay. 2012.
0: Uh, go ahead. Can I jump all the way, uh, back to was it 2011 when you discovered that Bitcoin article? Yeah. So it was love for love at first sight for you. Yeah, definitely. What what do you happen to remember? Kind of was it a technological? I mean, the word Bitcoin, but what what was going through your head? Was it you thought of decentralization or what? What do you remember?
1: What was so appealing? Yeah.
3: Yeah. It it for me it's. Um, so, you know, you, when you see ideas that speak to who you are, Mm. um, like I had known about cypherpunks, I had, I knew about, uh, attempts to develop cryptocurrency, but none of them had really ever grabbed my attention that I thought that they were like real. Ah. Um, and so I was really prepped for it. Every, every cell in my body was like ready. And it just, when I saw it, um, and it's so funny because I have tried so hard to go back. Like I have dug through Wayback Machine and like tried to. I just I wanted to find that article. Um, uh. Odds are, odds are it happened differently than I remember. Uh, but you know, it's it's the narrative that I have in my mind uh, of just seeing that slash article and really just um, being ready to dive down the rabbit hole. Um, and yeah. I've I've done that. I have had the same. I'm, uh, I I'm a i am love ideas. And so if I find if I see an idea that excites me, I will grab it and shake it until it's dead. Yeah. Uh, and that's essentially what it was.
0: So in yeah. your mind when you thought of cy- cypherpunks and you, you at that time you knew that there was poten- you, you felt that there was a way to do money digitally and you in your mind you thought it was secure enough that someone's bound to do it. And you just you just you were waiting. Is that kind
4: of
3: <sighs> I, to be, to be very honest, I didn't actually equate it to, to monetary value. Oh. Uh, it, to me, you know, um, Well, you got to find I, this motive so hard. You <laughs> just want to sell fucking
1: cookies on the dark web. Yeah. <laughs>
3: digital, digital value, like unbanked value seemed uh. different in my mind at that time. To me, yeah. they were just neat tokens that I could own. Yeah. Um, and the idea that anybody would actually pay to get them is like what? <laughs> suckers. Yeah. Uh, like I, 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 valued them, I coveted them, but yeah. I didn't actually equate that to money. It was more of digital value, mm. uh, like um, like having an MP3 of a song that you really like. Like yes, that's digital value. It wasn't. I, I didn't wasn't able to put price a price tag
1: on it. Let, let me ask you a related question that might. Uh... So in the early 90s, there was a, a new comic book company called Image Comics, mm-hmm. and I have a stack of Image Comics and, you know, those cards that, I don't know, you were collecting and put them in sleeves and it had the characters on them and stuff.
3: The are Marvel, those, uh, the, the Image, yeah, I, I was all into that. Are, are those, we the same age?
1: Uh, I'm 44, yeah. So, uh 43. Yeah, hey. Looking good. <laughs> hey, he yeah. looking Best looking dude in the room. <laughs> no, um, but so are those worth anything now or does everybody have them?
3: I have no idea. Like I I have a bunch of those in my like keepsakes box.
1: Yeah. Cuz um, I think if I take it to the comic book store going to be, "Oh yeah, I'll give you 10 bucks for that crap," right? And I never yeah. know. Um, yeah. I I don't think they're worth a million bucks or anything, but is it worth a couple hundred but, bucks? But
3: so that, th- that is <sighs> if they're important to you if they're valuable to you
1: no not even really yeah
3: okay <laughs> if they were oh, okay then then it would be difficult to put a monetary value on it like
4: yeah
3: it would be difficult to say are they worth ten dollars or a million dollars well I don't know I just like them yeah and to me that that is that is what early cryptocurrency was I don't know what it's worth I just like it I just like that yeah that idea
1: and there's some value in each thing yeah
0: Uh, What, um, around what year do you think your, your mental definition of decentralization, um, change or, (laughs) I mean, I, if you, if you end up saying like 2016, then let's continue the story, then we'll, we'll jump into that topic later, but
1: yeah, sorry. You have an exciting Uh, story,
0: so I keep derailing you.
3: I I can't remember because it it is, it's been ever evolving topic in my mind. Oh Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. For me too.
3: Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, am I gonna spend six hours on my backstory? I'm gonna go zoom up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I to won't Ethereum. <laughs> so, I'll be quiet. Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah, I'm I'm humming along, doing I, I did the altcoin boom of 2012. It was great, whatever. Um and then you know, I'm on Reddit and I see this post by Vitalik and it's talking about um Ethereum.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh it, I believe it was actually in our Bitcoin at the time. And Mm. again, I'm not saying this is reality. It's just how I remember things. Um, And so
0: when you say in our Bitcoin, what do you mean? Oh,
3: I'm sorry. uh, Reddit.com slash R slash Bitcoin. It wasn't the Bitcoin Reddit. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Because then you could talk about other things. It may have been actually on uh, bitcointalk.org, which is a a website where a lot of products were announced then. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I read you know I, I recognized vitalik's name but i didn't know much about him um and that article kind of had it we had been through a lot of a lot there had been an altcoin boom in 2012 and a lot of junk projects had been sold uh, but reading his description of ethereum it, it again i had that that trigger and mm. I, I i went to a coffee with my friend patrick like the next couple of days he, he berates me over this cuz i he what i said to him was there is this new project it is called ethereum i have no freaking idea what it does but it is definitely the next big thing nice and he was like it was like you you have to break it down you have to explain it to me so i'll know whether or not i should i should invest ah. and i was like but i can't i don't <laughs> quite i feel it but i don't get it mm. um and that, that was actually a long time. Like, it took me a while to understand smart contracts because the descriptions of them were so analogous to the real world that it, and there was nothing like it in, in cryptocurrency before. There was, like, uh, was it BitShares or something like that, uh, or MasterCoin. I, there was some, like, some shit like that that I tinkered with. But, again, I, yeah. I, at the end of the day, I'm still just an, a user. Like, I don't get everything. Um, so... What I did understand was mining, and- What year was that? It's gonna be 2014 when uh, the Yellow Paper came out. Uh, And that that was the, shortly after that they announced, um, so there was the launch of test nets. They had a couple test nets. Yeah. Um, And because I know mining, uh, I uh, participated in their test nets. And then one of the final test nets was the Olympic test net, and it actually, triggered mainnet yeah uh, and so from the beginning of that i <clears throat> this is actually how he became super Fizz. i collaborated with the uh reddit ethereum community with the other miners yeah just talking about like how to get things working and it was you know it was not plug and play it was it was compile and figure out gpu switches and get a specific version of mm-hmm. um You know the graphics driver and um it's actually
2: yeah it's not
1: it's not easy to mine if you're not good with computers if you're not yeah used to putting computers together and running some code it's difficult to be a miner and
3: and so the the first gpu miner for ethereum was a product called alice io i believe um and i i was one of the first people to get my gpus running with it and so i was I was hammering away yeah. uh, and then they, they did a, a pull request to change how the keys were derived uh, and I didn't understand it. Mm. And so I was not able to export my keys because I, I technically, I exported the wrong, the wrong data. Like mm. say your keys are stored in one file and I exported a different file and then wiped my machines and reset. Oh, um, oh. Yeah. So I, I lost I lost quite a bit of of work there, uh, but still I did very well in the Olympic mine. Yeah, uh, and it gave me this passion for uh, the health of the Ethereum chain. Like it, it just it was it was important to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I'm probably gonna skip like five years here. So yeah, yeah. so I had been uh, an engaged Ethereum miner, and in around 2018 there was talk about the switch from proof of work to proof of stake. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been following Danny Ryan then, and I, I was—I uh, like his style. I like the the way that he engaged with people, um, and I felt like, you know, I I can have a presence here in making the holy crap! I spent like an hour talking about why I'm doing this. Um, I felt okay. like I, I can I can be a force in promoting the health of this beacon chain network if I just step up to the plate and give people the opportunity to work together? Because that's really all they need. They need an opportunity. They'll do it. Mm -hmm. They just won't do it on their own. Um, And so that's kind of where I began.
1: Yeah, no, Lim asked. Uh, He he wanted to probe your uh, moral. (laughs) You're like...
3: My question was three words and <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'll give you, uh, no, my, talking.
0: I'll give you our little intro into cryptocurrency so that we could also kind of uh, bounce back and forth <laughs> each other. So for me as a software engineer in 2000, um, 2009, someone told me about the uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin white paper, 2009 or 2008, I think 2008 was a white paper and then 2009 yeah. it was mm-hmm. released. Um, I was a junior software engineer. I didn't understand RSA. I didn't understand SHA 256. So at that time, as a programmer, junior programmer, I was like, no, nobody could do this. I'm not going to invest in that. Nobody could secure mm-hmm. this. It's going to be hacked easily. Um, forward to 2016. Um, A friend of mine at a pool party just said, I'm going to make this story, try to make it quick, because I've said this story like five times throughout my (laughs) podcast. Um, uh, 2016, he's some friend at a pool party said, hey, what do you think about Ethereum? I'm like, what's that? He said, it's cryptocurrency. And I said, oh, Bitcoin. And then he said, well, check out Ethereum. And that was 2016. I came home. I did some research. And that light bulb, when I understood RSA encryption and how decentralization worked and as a programmer's mind, uh, at that time, I've you know I'm seven years into or seven years more into my uh, programming career, so I, I felt like I understood centrali- decentralization better. Um, even then, like uh, we mentioned earlier, the idea of decentralization will evolve in our minds as as we understand it more and more. So at that time was the first phase. I told Emmett 2016. I'm like Emmett, I think there's something here, man. I think we should try to put some money in or do something with it. So we went to. I think we talked it over
1: a few hours uh, and then we spent like two months talking about it and like researching and mulling it over and, you know, you'd see each other at dinner and then the next night you're like, wow, how about this? You know, oh, it looks like Microsoft's doing something. Yeah. They had the
0: Azure, Azure, uh, yeah, that that which had, uh, I think Ethereum preloaded on it or something, or could have preloaded, um. So then we scrounged up the money. We bought we bought coin and we also bought some miners. And back then, like you're saying, um, the the miners, how they so quickly the hash uh, difficulty goes up. I remember at one point, I think Mm -hmm. there was a peak where we had two ETH in one day from uh, 10 10 GPUs or something. Yeah. And uh, then it just dwindled down. I mean, we got to the point where it was, I think, point point. Zero one ETH a we're month like, or we're something. we like, we
1: might be breaking even on the electricity we're burning. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, you're like, Hey man, do you want to give me 50
3: bucks for electricity this month? Because maybe next month we're going to be able to profit on this, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, the, the weirder thing here in Vegas is we're running 10 GPUs in our house. And then in, in the summertime, these things are pumping out heat inside our house. Yeah. So, so now yeah. our air conditioners are pumping harder to cool off the house. So this becomes a weird... Uh, thermal cycle operation i found
3: that families really love that like
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then Mario did not like that (laughs) (laughs) so for me between 2016 and
0: then 2018 as the decentralization idea of this paradigm shift of decentralized governance consensus as i put more of my programming mind on it that really like I'm I'm sci-fi-ish in my thoughts on how blockchain can revolutionize and, and change the world, and I I'm I'm very hopeful for it. You'll you'll hear as we as we in the next couple hours you'll hear what I have my thoughts on it. But I I think cryptocurrency is here to stay. and nobody's going to be able to take it out. It would take an EMP bomb to multiple MP, EMP bombs around the world, and even then people are building. Uh, there was um I forget who I forget who it is now. They bought a military bait. Uh, mm-hmm mountain and they put it ethereum they put uh, some mining servers with i think ethereum in that military mountain so even if you epm, EPM emp the world uh, a bunch of them they wouldn't take that one out supposedly
3: it's funny like if if we got hit with an emp like yes i'd want to feed my family and shoot all the zombies and whatever else but my my primary goal would be like reconnecting to the network. Like I gotta go
2: back in. So,
3: baby, I'll be back in a week. I gotta go connect to the network. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Isn't
1: isn't there a uh, a node in space or something? Didn't they shoot I, one up? Um, in they talked about. It. I don't know if that if that happened. It,
3: yeah, it was. and so it was Elon Musk talking about launching a Doge node. But I I really feel like that's just Elon being Elon. Um,
1: <laughs> Goofing around.
3: <laughs> yeah. If, I would say if there was time, we should talk about him, but there's not going to be time to talk about him because anyway, I'm I'm, I'm a fanboy and I'm so irritated with him. It's eh. oh yeah, yeah. Sounds,
1: yeah. Like, anyway. sounds like Lim. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: yeah, I'm I'm on that boat too. Um, yeah, there was a message. I don't. I'm. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought I read one that was from your account on Reddit where you disliked a Ada Cardano. Cardano. You think that they won't um, live up their to their promises? Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah.
1: Um. Well, why, why do you
3: hate Cardano? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, I'm
2: kidding.
3: No, it, no, it's funny. Like in general, I I like to be a lover of technology.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: and one of the things you'll see, I I'm not I'm not a, a disparager. Like I don't want to put anything down um, because there's room for there's room for a lot of things to be successful. And mm-hmm. so, what I like to spend most of my energy talking about are things that I love and that I want to be successful. Um, so and i'm like i the question i'm asking myself like do i want to spend time talking about something that i don't like because that really just Mm. uh gives them gives them the spotlight that um isn't something i'm interested in giving them Mm.
0: or i guess i I know that's i I guess from my perspective i think uh especially actually um I've, i've already watched your some of your podcasts before and some of your state of uh state of the state of the stake state, state. yeah state of the state of the stake, oh, of the yeah. stake or um <laughs> that's right and I, and I you get a certain i get a certain opinion and or feel for you that you seem you do seem like you are for the be, you are for you you want good for all you, you get every i think everybody gets that feeling when they watch you so when i read the cardano thing cuz i so there's two sides i i think that you're 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 good hearted and then secondly um, you're also, I, I think from your time in the east staking and mining and whatnot, your technological experience combined with the, the being a good dude, I think that my, I would like to hear what you have to say, it, well, I guess in the sense of, is it, um, what you have to say against Cardano? Is it, um, good technical analysis or is it just opinion um, or is well, it,
1: yeah, let me rephrase the question then. So we, we all think Ethereum is badass, and it's going to be the strongest coin for the near future here and in the most capability and the most usable and excellent uh, cryptocurrency. So Cardano is trying to do something very similar. That's also proof of stake. They've been a long time in the making and they're uh, a different approach, but a similar product that they're trying to make. So what, what do you think, how do you think they're going to fall short compared to Ethereum? What what makes Ethereum a stronger? Yeah.
2: Is I, I want to try.
3: Oh yeah. so. It's it's funny because that in a way that gives me the opportunity to talk about why I love Ethereum, not why I'm not a fan of Cardano. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of what it boils down to me boils down to for me um, is, um, <laughs> it, I, I guess I, I would call it product philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it is not necessarily it, it is on. This is the thing that I want to focus on, yeah. I, I'm like, how do I... Um, Vitalik's philosophy for the future of Ethereum is grounded in building a unstoppable, decentralized network. Um, and so to do that, he humbly invites people to contribute and because of that, Ethereum has developed, um, honestly, like as a matter of fact, the the most talented developers, the most engaged contributors, mm. uh, and so the other side of that, um, the the founder of Cardano by comparison, it, by comparison, the founder of Cardano is someone who felt like they didn't fit into the Ethereum ecosystem and decided that they could compete with the Ethereum product. And does that a lot through showmanship um, and claim unsubstantiated claims that Mm. are future-based claims. This is what we will do in the future um, rather than demonstrating technology. Mm, and yeah. so there there has been some success by making claims and you know yeah I'm glad I'm glad they launched smart contracts but from a global perspective it appears to be more about showmanship than mm-hmm. product delivery whereas ethereum is about humanity decentralization and product delivery um yeah. I, yeah, I I think that I did that without like stabbing anyone because I'm not really a that's not my <laughs> style. Um,
4: yeah,
0: all right. I'll try to take us away from that topic. Um, <laughs> I, I heard some um, some figure which I I think sounds uh, wrong, but if you happen to know any way to get it, get get that data. Um, someone told me there's Ethereum developers take up ninety percent of all cryptocurrency developers. Have you heard anything, or is that does that sound?
3: I- it has been a while since I've, I've looked at those numbers. Um, I would say it's probably been 2019 since I, mm-hmm. I first became interested in that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, if you survey the world of developers, the world of people who are able to contribute to the development of a decentralized cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. um, in my experience, in my knowledge of those people, they have all flocked. Not all. That's not. That's not a fair statement. A lot. Everyone that every one of them that I'm aware of
1: yeah.
3: has flocked uh, to the Ethereum ecosystem.
1: Overwhelming. And, yeah.
3: Yeah, and it, you don't. You don't have. Um, you don't have. <laughs> Vlad Zamfir is a guy who comes to mind. I don't know if you know who Vlad Zamfir is. He developed uh, the oh. the Casper. Um, so an absolute genius. Um oh. So. Asper he is a con-
0: proof of stake. Um, was that yeah, the- it's
3: the original proof of stake algorithm. Yeah. Um, so he is a person who who doesn't necessarily love working with Ethereum, mm-hmm. but he still kind of uh, has 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 been a, a part of those things. Hmm. Um, I I guess what I'm doing I'm going through names in my mind, and yeah. I have some the idea of some people who have chosen other products or to work on other projects. Yeah. Um, but. In most of those cases, it's not, it's not, I'm not referring to Vlad here, but people who have chosen to work on other projects tend to be doing so for self-aggrandization rather than, mm -hmm, for personal gain rather than working towards something great for humanity. Uh, And that's, again, back to the founder of Cardano, I believe it is a, a personal gain motive rather than. Um, or personal ego. Really. Yeah. And I, it's, I don't know him. I'm not friends with him. I yeah. just, I just have, have been around this, the ecosphere a long time, uh, long enough to kind of have these strong perceptions.
0: Yeah. I, I just threw in the uh, personal ego thing because just to stab him a little bit. Um, That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I i feel like, like I, when I watch, I I really like some of the things that he says in his interviews, but there are very big moments where he says things that you're, you're To me, I say, hmm, your ego is in this Cardano thing a little bit too much. Like you, Decentralization, in my opinion, and maybe I'm too sci-fi-ish, but uh, I I think that's why Satoshi Nakamoto is such a beautiful story. He took himself out of the freaking equation. It's so amazing, this story, for someone to create something, give it out to the world, let everyone profit, and this Satoshi Nakamoto, we don't even know who he is. It's the perfect way to lead that decentralization or to start it. It's the perfect way. I, th- I think Yuck. the Yakuza
1: got him. <laughs> <laughs> Ethereum, in comparison to Cardano, sounds a lot to me like SpaceX in comparison comparison to Blue Origin, where Blue Origin tries to be a competitor to SpaceX, but I mean Blue Origin has a huge, I think, a billion a year funding from Jeff Bezos, and then they have developed a rocket engine that has a lot of future promises and a lot of marketing and advertising, but SpaceX is fucking launching rockets yeah but landing Both them yesterday. on their ass yesterday. yeah putting humans into space launching triple heavy rockets developing uh interplanetary super bfg you know i was thinking yesterday you know how high
0: uh jeff bezos went and then how how high the four people went yesterday so jeff bezos went uh, about 300 uh or sorry 30 uh miles up in the atmosphere in the penis rocket yeah in the penis rocket those yeah. four went Three hundred and sixty miles. So he must have accelerated his program because he knew those four people were going to outdo him. Yeah. It was just this total ego thing. Yeah. What a yeah. fucking ego!
1: No, but it, it's totally. It's so funny. Yeah, the difference I, is I actually. I,
3: I messaged Ethereum memes a few months ago. It's a, a Twitter account, and yeah. I was like, "Hey, I got this idea. We could compare SpaceX and Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin ah. to Ethereum and the ETH killers, because um, yeah, yeah. there is always a new ETH killer. Like right. every week." And it is the exact same thing. It is, it is one who is like, we're going to do this yeah. uh, and we're going to do a great job at it. And others who are like, wait, wait, don't leave me behind. I can do it too. Yeah. Um, and in the end of the day, uh, ETH killers to me becomes more of a joke than something I'm, I'm seriously concerned about. Like yeah. I require myself to learn about the ETH killers. Because uh, if Ethereum is no longer the best product, I need to know that. Like, I want to, uh, I, I want to sell my bags, and I want to get with the best product. Mm-hmm. And so, if one of these ETH killers is is the real thing, mm-hmm. then I want to know it as early as I can. Yeah. Um, and I used to take that very seriously, and now it's like, all right. Let me read their paper. Let me see their claims. Let me see, you know, who's behind it, what their philosophy is, how it's organized, what chain looks like. Yeah, and it, it becomes so easy to be like, ah, definitely not an ETH killer. Um, well,
1: you know, the one that we thought might have a chance a couple of years ago was Eternity. Was that? Is that the one that was EOS? Looking, EOS was that? Oh, looking to be a platform coin. But
0: but the, I knew I knew EOS was centralized. I was hedging there. The, to yeah. me, I think of these investments as as categories there's the uh you could say bitcoin store value monero to me was uh was a sec- um a what's the word? Anonymous. Pri- an- yeah. anonymous privacy coin and then ripple was a centralized way to work with government uh and i i i don't like ripple but i put some money in it actually at one point was my highest uh gaining a um, uh, profitable coin for a while mm. and then um also i picked eos because i thought that was I was hoping that would be maybe if the government doesn't like Ripple, they might go to EOS. Mm-hmm. And then EOS, I would hope eventually governments would say if they liked EOS, they could years later, they would go to Ethereum. So I, I kind of categorize yeah. my, my pillars of investment.
3: I, I, have, I have this weird philosophy that I, I tend to put my technological beliefs ahead of my desire to, earn, to gain money. Um, and so I'm far more likely, uh, so I actually like Monero out of oh, yeah. those projects you listed. I think Monero is pretty legit. I don't hold any, yeah. but I, I have in the past. Um, I, it's, I sleep so much better at night when I feel like my investments are in products that I think are going to go the distance. Um, and then if I see something that like, so Ripple is a, is a great example of this. Mm-hmm. People invested in Ripple, I believe, because they thought they could make money, not because they thought it was a strong product. Um, Like, it's not really, it doesn't really have the chops to to change the world. Mm -hmm. It's just a potential money maker. Um, And so, for that reason, like, it it never appealed to me. Um, But when I see a project that is like, um, we aim to improve the quality of the cryptocurrency ecosystem by reaching this goal and it's going to serve these people then i'm like ah i'm interested let's see how that works yeah
0: now we're talking yeah i agree with the uh well the ripple thing i thought just it would be the banks that would take on ripple so it wasn't yes it was for me monetarily to you want to make, motherfucker. yeah to make some money it's but not, but i, I view it's it not as, wrong I view it actually as a gateway drug i actually it was i was hoping either xrp or eos would be the gateway drug for the government to get in on that and then i think ethereum and or bitcoin or any any i'm going to say any true cryptocurrency where where it's uh decentralized open source uh not central well decentralized not centralized but um i was hoping it was the gateway drug for governments and banks to get into crypto
1: yeah. yeah. But nowadays we don't have to worry. Uh, wall street has gone straight to Ethereum. So yeah, we can, uh, we can count you know, on wall street to buy the government.
2: I, I sound <laughs> a little
3: like, I like to make money. Like I'm not, I'm not against anyone making money. I think yeah. it's great, but I, if I'm going to make money, I want to do it. I would rather make less money with a project that I thought was right-minded than make Tons of bags on a project that just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like you'll never, you'll never catch me like buying something that doesn't make sense. If I believe there's going to be a pump tomorrow, mm-hmm. like I just, I'm like, good luck. I hope it works out. Um, yeah. It's just, it makes yeah. better sense to me. For
1: uh, I was going to say for both of you, is there any because we could probably talk for fucking three days. But so, is there any topic that either of you wanted to make sure we covered? during our time.
0: I think for Fizz I would imagine we we want to talk about the East staking a lot more.
3: Yeah, that's that's important to me. Let's get, um, in,
1: get into staking. Yeah. Okay. Um so Ethereum is transferring from proof of work to tr- proof of stake. Where are that's we, right. where are we currently at in that process for the for oh, the layman? Great question.
3: Yeah. So, um, right now everything in Ethereum continues to operate on the proof of work network that we have known since 2004. Fourteen,
1: fifteen. Yeah. Um, but
3: along, alongside that, there is what we what we know as the beacon chain, and the beacon chain has been running since December second, twenty twenty. So about ten months now, uh, and there's no value on that chain. It runs alongside, so totally separate, yeah. but alongside the proof of work chain, um, and there are four implementations of the client. This is kind of a big deal.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, so to make this chain work, rather than having uh, the official Ethereum implementation of the Beacon Chain, mm-hmm. what what the researchers did was ask anyone who wanted to 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 participate in creating their own version of the client. And so originally there were like nine or ten different groups who were creating who are developing a client. Um, and at launch, we have four launch clients. They are, uh, Lighthouse, Nimbus, Teku, and Prism. Mm -hmm. And so those are the four Beacon Chain clients. And I will talk about them a lot. I talk about them all day, every day. (laughs) Uh, They are different than if you've ever run Bitcoin, you have Bitcoin core. And that is like essentially what you, that's, that's the the manager you're going to run if you want to manage Bitcoin. Um, I would say practically every other product that you know about has one wallet, one miner that was created by the developers and distributed. Mm -hmm. Um, The Beacon Chain is different than that because they want to establish a protocol that can be adopted by anyone. And so rather than just creating a wallet and saying, here you go, they're building from the ground up an entire protocol, and these four implementations are um, implementing that protocol in a client.
1: And are, are those four um, entities? Are they like, for, for me to understand, is it like a software developer house, and they're running their mm-hmm. version of the software to to facilitate the proof of stake network? Yeah.
3: That, well, like- and, and so th- they are development shops. So, yeah. um, for example, Prismatic is in a, it's, its own company who develops the Prism client. Yeah. Um, Teku is developed. By consensus or a group within consensus,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, uh, Nimbus is a a small group that is focused on de- on developing uh, a compact version uh, that they will eventually probably license to like people who develop toasters, and you'll have a validator in your toaster. Oh, good. Um, that oversimplification. Um, yes. And and Lighthouse is developed by a company called Sigma Prime, who is very involved in. Uh, the cryptocurrency space and so uh, sigma prime has a development group called lighthouse that develops the lighthouse client and so they're not competing they're all working together using different programming languages to reach the same goal yeah Uh, and so what you end up with is a network that has uh four different let's call them races or four different species who Communicate with each other and hope that everything works out. Mm-hmm. And anytime something doesn't work out, it means hey, something's wrong either with that implementation or with the protocol. So let's go back and look up and find out what broke. Fix the both. If it's an implement, yep. If it's an implementation, we can fix it. Yeah. If it's if it's the protocol, we can fix it. And then what you end up with is this extremely well-defined protocol for the way that the beacon chain can work.
4: Yeah.
3: That that robustness. Is likely to last fifty years. You're not really going to find that in any other project. Like they yeah. just aren't doing those things. Uh, so that is my excitement. And
1: so the was, be- the beacon chain that's currently running alongside the proof of work is it um, processing the same transactions in a or is it no okay
3: right right now it's not processing any transactions. It is okay. it's it's basically building this this backbone of blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're looking forward to is an event called the merge, mm-hmm. when the transactions that exist in the proof of work chain
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, will be packed rather into proof of work, they'll be packed into the proof of stake chain, and they'll just shift custody. Uh, and so these people who run validators at home, they will run an ETH1 node and an ETH2 node on the same machine. and uh the transactions that are picked up by the ETH1 node rather than being packed in blocks by ETH1 will be packed into blocks in the beacon
1: chain. Okay. Sorry, Very to exactly. you off. I was, I was so, no, dying to no, know. No, I'm
0: sure we have a lot of questions, both <laughs> of us. So um what what would uh two questions? What's the um motivation for the for Lighthouse, Prism, Nimbus, and then and then even before that was it the Ethereum Foundation team that kind of put, did they kind of like make a protocol of this proof of stake and then just tell these four or those nine that started out and said, hey, this is what we want. And then you guys program it to that. What's the actual details or?
3: Yeah, that that was a very long process. It was probably three years. I want to say it began in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, 2018. The original design for, uh, for proof of stake was uh, a, a smart contract that held 1500 ETH um, and it never really made it far past the drawing board. Um, they restarted that effort when they – it just wasn't – after researching, it just didn't have the, the chops to to make the cut. And so they were like, well, that's not true because that's <laughs> –
4: 1500
3: ETH deposit was too much f- for – average people to be able to participate well, they I, went back to the drawing board.
0: if i remember back then uh, eth was like less i think it was like around twenty dollars a coin back then because I, I think i remember talk, them talking about the proof of stake but um, it's still
1: thirty thousand dollars well yeah. 30 it, ETH it at today's
0: price
3: <laughs> it, it wouldn't have there. allowed for enough decentralization in the network oh. because what what we want are we want people at home um to be able to run a node and if if the requirement is so high, then you're really looking at institutions running nodes, which is not a lot different than distributed proof of stake. It's, it's not an ideal scenario. Um, but with 32 Ether, and granted it's $100,000 now, if you really wanted to do it, uh, there are enough slots available that you could be a staker at home. Uh, and so that design went through research for probably two and a half years Mm. Um, I think that there there was a, a an original client written in Python. I think Vitalik did, did some sketching of it in Python. Um, and then it went to uh, research. And then there was this, the Ethereum Foundation offered grants for teams who wanted to offer a client. Uh, and then they began having implementation team meetings. And these implementation team meetings were with a very early version of the spec. It was... It was uh, barely functional, and so through this iterative process, um, continuing research leading into implementation, um, I want to say two two and a half years uh, they got their first alpha clients released. Um, Nimbus did a test net, uh, but it, it it didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of public awareness. Um, what really caught on was the Prism test net, um, and you know, we we offered PoEPS, we had big celebrations for the Prism testnet launches, and we got tons and tons of people into them. Um, It made so much sense at the time, but what we didn't realize was that we were waiting um, people's allegiance toward Prism so that when mainnet launch came about, everybody's like, yeah, I know how to run Prism. And that's kind of where 70% of the people went to. Um,
1: Ideally, you want four different strong ways to run the beacon chain.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We want, we want every client, each of those four clients to have 25% because what happens then um, let's say we have observed um, a client having a fault on mainnet and well, I, because I, I don't want, I'm I'm not one to disparage, you know, I, I don't usually say I'll say it. I know who it is. I'll say it. So, no,
2: I, 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 I'm going to do it because because we're okay. Um, it's factual. The Prism client,
3: the Prism client had a fault, and because it ran seventy percent of of the validators, the network ran into serious turbulence.
4: Yeah.
3: If if each client ran twenty five percent and Prism had a fault, the network wouldn't hiccup we would see participation fall to 75%, but then the network wouldn't slow at all. Yeah. And that gives Prism time to say, oh, we need to fix this. Yeah. Um, and they fix it, they they can distribute a release and everybody's back up and running and then participation's back up to 100% and no one misses a beat. Uh, yeah. But while we have this scenario where they're the majority client, where 70% of, of people are running it, if they have any kind of fault, which they should be allowed to, uh, yeah it can cause the network to grind to a halt. I, I
1: got and it. If you got an, if you got a jumbo jet and you have four engines on your plane, you don't want one engine to be the super strong one. That's pulling 70% of the plane because yeah. then the other three can't carry the plane. If you got a problem in engine number one. Yep. Perfect. Yeah.
3: Emmett image, image is the, the metaphor, man. Is that? <laughs> yeah, good. I like it. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, my concern is that if
1: anybody's watching, that's not a super, you know, yeah. super techie. It, that's hard for us to understand. I, yeah. I try to
3: keep it at a common level, uh, yeah. but sometimes it's it's hard to get out of the weeds.
1: Yeah. You guys um, doing good. It makes sense so far.
3: And, and so when it comes to client diversity, my message is um, if you want ETH to be a valuable asset, like staking is great, but you're not really so if you choose prism you're not really investing in the long-term health of the beacon chain mm-hmm. um, i'm on and lighthouse so, <laughs> <laughs> but the key to successful staking is to stake with balance in mind and that way you're supporting the underlying mm-hmm. value uh of, of our network rather than just trying to get paid yeah. if you stake in a way that is money first then you're really undermining that that basic value proposition um, and you're going to lose money in the long term because if everyone does that ETH, is, ETH really ends up being worthless it ends up being centralized uh, you'll find that you know one exchange stakes everything mm-hmm. it's not really a decentralized network uh, mm-hmm. so the real way to make money is to focus on the health of the network and then we all succeed
0: yeah what's the current um, breakdown do you know like is yeah, it
3: so- I, I just checked the other day. It's important to say that, um, number one, there are two different metrics for client diversity. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them is the number of nodes on the network. Uh, and so that is the data that's most available. And the number of nodes means the number of people who are running a beacon chain. One beacon chain can run thousands of validators. Um, and what what is difficult to know is, well, so let me tell you that one, that is, uh, about seventy percent or sixty-five percent
1: um, prism.
3: Yeah. Uh, actually, I have it re- yeah, written down because I put it up <laughs> in it. to the
1: stats. Here. Hey, if we buy if we buy a new toaster, can we run Nimbus on our toaster? <laughs> you better you better run Nimbus on your toaster. Uh,
3: <laughs> I don't see my notes, but it's about sixty-five percent uh, prism, about ten percent lighthouse. Um, I want to say about five percent Teku and about one percent Nimbus. Now that's not going to add up to one hundred percent because it's from memory, but yeah. that that is a, a pretty fair breakdown somewhere
1: that ballpark, um, yeah.
3: And the only way we can get actual validator breakdowns is either checking graffiti if people say if people use their graffiti to say this is what I'm running, um, or if there's an outage by with a certain client. Uh, and so we know that seventy percent of validators run Prism because when we had turbulence, we lost 70% of validators.
0: Mm. Uh, I can't say for the other ones. For our audience, uh, Graffiti is um, when a validator, when they set up or configure their validator, there's a little flag you you could put like, my name is Lim, if, if you, I would suggest you do that. But um, a lot of people are saying like Lighthouse or Nimbus as their as their the software that they're running. Yeah. And so when their validator validates a block, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong Fizz, but um, when they validate a block, that graffiti will go into that block. So
2: that's how that,
0: you could get a metric from what people are writing in graffiti on their validator. Can you
1: write, I love italic. Yeah, you can write whatever you, could, you want. Yeah. All right, that wouldn't
2: be weird. I, I,
3: People do. Uh, so as a matter of fact, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you a funny story here. Um, there is uh, some, you can use Beacon ch- Chain graffiti yeah. on uh, Beacon Chain, BeaconCHA.in has yeah. a graffiti wall where you can use your graffiti to select coordinates. And so um, if you use XY coordinates and a color, mm. uh, the Beacon Chain wall will pick that up and add it. And so a fella drew a giant penis on, that <laughs> uh, penis, <laughs> yeah, penis on uh, on that beacon chain wall, and it, it will be there forever. Like even if the beacon chain goes down, the data is still there. Archaeologists are going to be like pulling that up, and they're going to they're going to decode it, and they're going to find. Um, so
1: it truly became graffiti. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah uh and he's a re- very friendly fella um
2: yeah. who he did it an obligation I, I, you gotta draw
1: a dick you
3: know
2: it's just yes it, it. Yeah. um I,
3: I had like offered like can we you know change it into a flower and he was like do not mess with my penis it is very important <laughs> to me i'm like okay all right the community will honor the penis. Yes. Yes. So, uh, we're happy to not mess with it.
0: Jumping back to that, uh, 1500 ETH and 32, uh, 1500 ETH to stake back then as the, uh, was that Prism was doing that? It doesn't matter. But my question Uh, is
3: that that was before any of the, any of the implementations had ever
1: been. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess my, my train of thought, and I don't really have exactly a question. Maybe if you guys just want to have input on it. So the, I I, Stupid I want, question. No, I want okay. to kind of like <laughs> s, s, um, think that these developers or the people working on this Ethereum protocol, the Ethereum Foundation Group and all the decentralized people around the world work on it. On it. Imagine the e- economy that they would have had to think about when, when they thought about doing 1500 ETH per validator. And then for somebody, probably a good amount of people, like you said, they, they thought, well, 1500 ETH is way too much. Let's bring it down to the 32 ETH because someone has to think about the economy of 1,500 ETH could go up to the point where it's $400,000 for that ETH, and there's not enough uh, diversity in the ecosystem.
1: Mm-hmm. So, well, you it, make it that number out- if you make that number too low, then you are have all these dick drawers coming. In. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's it's not really as related to money. It's yeah. really a, a technological constraint of chatter on the network. So the more, mm. the more individual nodes you have on a network trying to, to communicate, the more chatter there is. Uh, um, and that's more processing and more bandwidth. And um, it, a truly decentralized network to have, you know, to, right now I believe there are 200,000 validators. There. Yeah. That's probably not even the, I haven't looked in a while. Um, to really coordinate that many computers to interact with each other, it's no small feat. Mm. Uh, when 1500 was the goal, uh, the the research agreement was that we can't support this much chatter on the network. Mm. It required um, streamlining of those validator votes to in- increase the number of validators that could be on, active on the network. So they're not saying, you know, if ETH is $10 and it's 1500 ETH required, they're thinking how much chatter can the network support Mm -hmm. and still function um, so that we have as many participants as possible without breaking?
1: That makes sense. So you want a decentralized network, but if you decentralize it too hard, then you get inefficient. So staking itself, the goal is to make the mining a little more efficient than it traditionally was. So you have competing...
3: Yeah, distributed proof of stake is the alternative to that, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's DPoS. It's a great network." That sacrifices true decentralization. They pick 21, whatever 40, and sure, it's easy to communicate between them because it's a tiny network. Yeah. And you might think that you're that you're doing that you're staking, but really, you're just giving someone else your vote. Um, Ethereum is truly decentralized proof of stake, so that each each of those thousands, hundreds of thousands of validators has an actual say in the next block.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Who's the uh, ETH stakers? If you had a call out and give some props to all the the team that you work with and whatnot.
3: Ah. That's a great opportunity. Yeah. So uh, Nolan was, Lamboshi was the first person I connected with. Uh, We were like, we had been in some, it was actually in the Prism chat, I think, where we connected uh, and we both were running similar hardware. We're both running like, these giant infrastructure servers, uh, to run our staking nodes, <laughs> a massive overkill, but we didn't know then. And so we connected on that. We're like, Hey, you want to be staking buddies? Sure. Um, and then, uh, Buddha, who is an employee of beacon chain, um, uh, well of Bitfly, the company that develops beacon chain, uh, uh-huh. he offered to run a, um, a discord that was a, a sister discord to our Reddit, uh, room. And so he was the third member, uh, and then Patricio Werthalter connected with us. He is the developer of PoApp, uh, which I could talk about PoApp all day long, um, like in terms of my favorite thing, just like Ethereum, E-Staker, then PoApp. Um,
1: I don't even know what a PoApp is.
3: Ah oh, shit, son. We're going to have to talk. Uh, <laughs> PoApp is like, we're, a, we're a, gonna, it sounds delicious. Like, it's kind of <laughs>
0: like an M- NFT like uh, mm-hmm. token GIF uh, like you get like a, a reward like if you show up to the state state of the stake um, event yeah. they could have a um, ep- episode thirty state of the stake and you get like a you get a pin on your account so it, it's just yeah. a it's ah, just a reward a thing. digital prize a digital prize yeah, yeah yes okay. and
2: it's
3: so I like to call them grow men sticker collections Yay. like <laughs> they're free. You don't have to, you, like, literally free to connect. You don't have to pay network fees. They're on XDI. Um, you just really like do something. You know, your your talks with a uh, little it, yeah. it would that would be perfect. Like, you would just have oh. uh, that, and you would give out codes, and people would claim them, and you could identify your user base. People could show affiliation with with what you are.
2: Yeah.
3: It's um, it's it, it, sta- it stood originally for proof of attendance protocol. Okay, but. It really evolved uh, when COVID started. to Something more like proof of action protocol. Yeah. And then the acronym was just dropped. It just, POAP is POAP.
1: It is its uh, own thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a well, dick-shaped graffiti one?
3: <laughs> uh, I, I guarantee that. Yes, actually, I have several. So, I own seven. Um, for the For the millionth POAP, uh, if, if you if you know the old McDonald's logo that is yeah. uh, millions or billions of millions served, yes. So for the the millionth poap, there is one of one of the celebratory poaps that is uh, the McDonald's arches, which ends up looking like the tip of a penis with okay. a rocket shooting out of it.
2: Which, yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just me. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I don't think
1: juvenile humor makes things not worthwhile. Yeah, it a- makes a- life. Everything funner. is. Yeah.
3: Uh, so, yeah, that's Patricio. Um, then we onboarded Unvetica, uh, or Michael. Um, he is our engineer. He does uh, our OBS. He does all of our like YouTube management. He does a great job with that. Um, he is now off working with uh, two other companies, Gitcoin and Reality Cards, and he's doing great, still with us. Yeah. Um, and then we've onboarded uh, Colfax, uh, who is, he runs kind of a side department of Eastaker called, um, this list doesn't go on forever. i got two more people. No,
2: uh, <laughs> you're
3: like, what's that? Um, uh, Stakehouse is our development wing of Eastaker. So where Eastaker develops community to improve access to staking, uh, Stakehouse develops tools to improve access to staking. Um, and then Sam Gray Wizard is our final number. He is our project manager. He is kind of our, our wrangler because we're always... Uh, uh going in eight directions. So he gives us timelines and jobs and
1: Is he old and yeah. have a really big beard?
3: No, he's young and is like sharp okay. as a tack. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs>
4: what is
1: uh, uh <laughs> What's your guys' motivation
0: and also reminds me we we jumped over the question earlier the uh what's the motivation of the um different um dist- um the, clients? Different clients, yes.
3: Okay, so the purpose of Toasters. the four different clients well, is, but- is to look for
0: We'll, uh, answer the uh, what's the motivation of east stakers first and then we'll jump on uh,
3: okay so uh we really the goal of east staker is to be uh welcoming first and knowledgeable second and that doesn't really tell you what we do yeah. uh, but we really we want to increase access to staking for everyone um staking should not be uh, exclusive a, an, in, exclusive yeah, yeah. like we want anyone who's interested, anyone who has 32 Ether to be able to stake. And so we want to help you get plugged in. Um, If you connect with eStaker, then we're going to help you find ways to stake. Um, And recently we've shifted because we, I don't know, we've shifted. Recently we've shifted. (laughs) 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 Shifting gears. Our original focus was solo stakers with 32 Ether. And now we recognize most of our new onboardings don't have 32 Ether. And so We wanna help people with less than 32 Ether connect with a safe and healthy staking opportunity. Uh, So that's where we're at right now.
1: So if somebody doesn't have 32 ETH and they say, hey, I got four, but if you can get enough people together and wrangle up 32, then they, as a group, can they become one? No,
0: well, is that what you're talking about? I think he's talking more, uh, there's, I think rocket pool, which you're for, but there's also like, say, I think Coinbase uh, and I, for, I forget if Kraken and or Gemini are doing it, but uh Coinbase, uh, for example, will, if you have two ETH only, mm-hmm. you could click up, there's some button on there that says, I want to become a staker, ETH staker, mm-hmm. you could put in your two and it takes some time to get in a, a queue and they'll prove you. And then, so they will do the work of figuring out 32 ETH. How okay. many people? Yeah. Okay. and that's
3: custodial staking and I um again I have to caveat everything yeah coinbase staking is done by a group called bison trails and I am friends with the people at bison trails but I do not uh endorse that method of staking mm. uh that is custodial staking it is essentially giving your coins to a third party and saying please please do a good thing with this yeah um, they're Thank not they're not going to they don't care about the network I like Brian Armstrong, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. I love the advocacy that Brian and Coinbase provide for the cryptocurrency ecosystem. Yeah. But they don't have any allegiance to Ethereum. They don't, they it doesn't matter to them whether we succeed or fail. They're gonna make money no matter what. Yeah. So what I'm asking Ethereum holders to do is to improve the value of our network by staking in ways that benefit the network. That means not giving not giving it to to Coinbase, not giving it to Kraken, Um, and and so that's where we get to Rocket Pool. Rocket Pool is the first open source trustless and decentralized staking method where anyone with as little as 0.01 ether can deposit it and stake in a way that is beneficial for the network. Mm. Um, And it's important to say. That's the first offering. I really hope there are more, because if there's one of anything, it, it may tend towards some kind of decentralization. And so uh, it is something that I I have been very, um, very excited about, because mm-hmm. it's going to give people a better alternative than unhealthy mm-hmm. staking forms. Um, so for example, when if, if I was a node operator, mm-hmm. I can do that with 16 ether. Um, and 1.6 Ether in Rocket pull tokens. When I install my node, it's going to offer to choose a random validator client. Uh, and so that means rather than everyone using Prism, um, that there's a fair chance it's going to install Nimbus or Teku, and it's going to decentralize the network that way. Uh. Uh, it also means that rather than like with Kraken, they're running in a data center somewhere, um, people in their homes all over the world are going to be able to run the validator on like a Raspberry Pi or like an Intel Nook. Um, that toaster. really, really decentralizes the network. A toaster. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. When, when that <laughs> happens, I'm going to find this and be like, yes, I told you.
1: I, I almost just bought a refrigerator with a TV on the front. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what the fuck it does. I think it connects to your ring doorbell and, uh, <laughs> Tells you the weather or something, but I was like, "This looks fantastic. This is a computer, TV inside a fridge. I don't need this." I my- <laughs> think.
3: And and in twenty years, I believe it's very likely that there are going to be actual appliances that do double duty as Ethereum as beacon chain nodes. I, I sincerely yeah. believe that. That'd be fun, even if it's a even if it's like a a, a
1: joke. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it'd be fun if it paid for itself. Yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah,
0: I I could see that in the future where because these chip, I mean, say how much, uh, say the refrigerator, how often are you using that screen on your refrigerator? So it's going to stay idle probably ninety eight percent of the day. No, it's
1: monitoring my eggs.
0: Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. So I'm so say <laughs> say ninety percent of that CPU is available. Yeah, and then you could have ninety percent of the time it could be mining or validating or doing yeah. something like
3: that. Well, I'd like to take it a little more into reality because. um an appliance running a beacon chain validator is is actually a little unlikely because to do that you would you would need to be the custodian of 32 ETH, um, yeah. and uh, or in the case of Bull 16 ether it's not likely that you're going to trust that to your toaster. The real scenario is <laughs> I put gold um,
1: in my freezer. I don't know why I wouldn't do this.
3: <laughs> imagine imagine that you're a school in an impoverished area and um, you have an endowment. From, you know, a large company from the Ethereum Foundation, and they're like, "Hey, we want to endow you with 32 ether. They're not yours, but if you want, uh, you can run this Raspberry Pi. Um, it has solar power. If you don't have trust, you know, good electricity, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it uses the cell network, um, and that device can generate long-term revenue for a school or for a public good." um and so they then take those gains and sell them and and i you know i really think of impoverished nations yeah. where ed- education is hard to access even local government like they're running these these nodes that are that don't require a massive server mm-hmm. they they can run on solar power they are protecting the network and providing income for local people yeah
1: Hey, so so running it back a little bit. If I'm a if I'm a new dude in the Ethereum game and I got I got four Ethereums and I go, you know what? I want to stake some of this. I want to I want to be a staker and I want to get in. But you're telling me I should use Rocket Pool instead of uh, putting it through an exchange. So why is Rocket Pool better for me, the, the the little guy?
3: I I want to be honest. I'm I'm never gonna tell you what to do. Yeah. I I need you to choose what's best for you. And so. Uh, i'm not the guy who is like everything else is wrong yeah. um i'm the guy who is like people have different needs i want you to do what's right for you i can give you a hierarchy of of best to worst but i need you to choose what's right for you yeah so what's uh, a good so, reason
1: to go to rocket
0: pool yeah let me re- because fizz kind of already said it. i'll try to sum it up uh, so he said because it's open source and i'll pick randomly the client so then the the network itself it's it's picking it's good for the network to be decentralized. It'll be healthier in the end. Yeah, so it's open source, so you could trust it or you should be able to trust it because the code is visible. And then since it's improving the network by not being biased to one client.
1: So couldn't we talk uh, Coinbase and Kraken into using the non-PRISM?
3: Yeah, tokens? Oh, and, and we're actually working on that. Uh, one of the funny things is <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: um, the response. So this is secondhand. Yeah. Uh, but as I understand the response from the people communicating with those places is sort of like everyone's running Prism, so so are we,
2: mm-hmm. which
3: is totally bad for decentralization. It's, it's totally the wrong mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, there are efforts in, in that direction. Um, but I, I want to tell you the, the actual greatest perk for you as, as a holder of 4ETH mm-hmm. is that when you stake with Rocket Pool, you're not giving custody of your funds to anyone. You're yeah. not giving custody of your funds to Coinbase or to a pool, like you don't have to trust me. When you deposit with Rocket Pool, it goes into a smart contract, and from that smart contract, it's connected with other with other coins, yeah. um, and and then uh, delivered to an operator who doesn't control the coins.
2: Right. If I
3: run a Rocket Pool node, I can't make a withdrawal. The only yeah. withdrawal I can make sends it back into the smart contract, um, and so no human ever has an opportunity to access your coins through rocket pool it is the only solution that exists that no person no other person has access your coins
1: that fantastically answered my question and it helped me i mean that's the first thing i've seen that really makes sense on a smart contract because yeah uh, you know people have been touting smart contracts uh for capability and potential and possibilities and then this is a real implementation that protects your money in a way that an exchange cannot because potentially an exchange can get hacked, right?
3: Not only hacked, like what if a government seizes control of it? Um, uh, You know, what if, um, and and that to me is really the most likely scenario Mm -hmm. um, because they they are registered in a country. And if the government suddenly gets wise to crypto and wants some, um, and they're not good operators, they're going to say, we are now seizing the assets they are frozen. Turn them over to us, and they're not breaking any laws because if you're operating in a country, then
4: that is the government the is the
3: law. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that, to me, is is the most likely long term scenario. That when it comes to Rocket Pool, that's literally impossible. Uh, mm-hmm. They can tell a node operator to shut down, yeah. but they can't tell a node operator to turn over coins.
4: Okay,
0: I like Rocket Pool. Um, I'm not sure if I brain farted, but did we uh, talk about the uh, the the um motivation for the clients uh lighthouse nimbus prism what what why why would they want to do this right? why are these programmers working on it yeah
3: it, it it begins as ethereum foundation grants uh and then it's also um supported by community grants um it is it is kind of like health and the best interest of the network kind of thing um so there is there's not a lot of Secondary incentive, like they're not going to be able to sell these later. Yeah. Um, there is this concept, uh, and it's it's a little complicated, um, of maximum extractable maximum extractable value (MEV). Um, there is some idea that a a a well crafted client could extract more value from the network, and that might have some financial value. Uh, but I really see that as extremely niche and unlikely
2: mm.
3: personally um yeah.
0: so what what are these grants uh is it like the ethereum foundation will say all right nine nine um de- uh, programming houses or developer houses or whatever developer teams developer teams we're going to give you a thousand eth if you develop this or is that is that what the grants are or?
3: They're, they're a little more ongoing uh and so essentially um if i apply for a we could do it now we could say hey guys let's get together and develop a an implementation um we're going to develop ours in um brainfuck brainfuck is a, a really obscure programming language um mm. and and so there we lots of dicks models. involved
2: there, there's not it's just it's like
3: the god's honest most complicated programming language in the world <laughs> like it's it's designed that way hence the name okay uh, And so we submit a proposal to the EF, and they're like, yeah, uh, sounds great. Here is uh, a starter. Um, Join the calls, start working on it, and come back and check with us in six months. And so Uh. we work on it. Uh, In six months, we go back to the grants team. Uh, They look at what we're doing. And then um, so what? I'm not on the inside, but my Mm -hmm. interpretation is that they're not really denying these grants. Um, hmm. That that through attrition and through complexity, teams are just maybe not keeping up.
1: Wait, so are the uh, are the four? What do we call them? Clients? Clients? Are the yeah, four the clients... implementations? Yeah. Yeah. The Beacon Chain implementations. Are they four different programming languages? Is that what's? Currently...
3: Yes. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. It... So uh, Teku was written in Java. Okay. Um, Prism is written in Go. Uh-huh. Uh, Lighthouse is written in Rust. And Nimbus is written in NIM, which is a kind of a niche programming language, uh, which...
1: Wait, but none of them are Python or C++ or something like that?
3: Uh, Python ends up being a slow language in production. Uh. Um, and C++, uh, it, it would probably work. It just... it. It's not a hipster language. <laughs> when, when I, if you look, they're all hipster languages. So um, and, and I, would, I would say more accurately, they're more yeah. modern languages. Um, okay. and, and C++ is, is just considered to be maybe more of a relic now where these are all like super modern cutting-edge languages.
1: Uh, no COBOL. Get out of here.
3: Well, I guess Java, but yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh,
0: that's pretty interesting. I I, ne- I haven't heard that side of the Ethereum Foundation. It, it makes a lot more sense. I, um, when Fortran can fuck off. <laughs> I, I've <laughs> I've heard that Ethereum <laughs> Foundation has a lot of ETH and they'll they use that ETH to, to for the health of the network. But I've never heard how or why. And that's fantastic. This is absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, does uh, so does ETH staker do, is there funding? How is funding for that? Is it from EF at all?
3: Yeah. So um, in general. <sighs> we're not funding based. Uh, I don't like to ask for money. Um, we, w- I do, we do have a grant from the EF. Um, it is, mm. I'm like, I, don't, I I'm not, it's not something I think it's, I'm, it's not a secret, but I don't think it's prudent to say. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it is probably like a fifth of someone's annual salary, uh, of an average annual salary. Um, to be right. honest, I was like, I was like, look, I just need to pay my health insurance.
2: <laughs>
3: my wife said, if I'm gonna have a fake job, I need to pay health insurance. Um, that's not even a joke. It sounds funny, I know, but so, no, uh, so yeah. Uh,
1: so welcome, yeah that, welcome to America. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um,
3: we also uh, looked to Gitcoin uh, for a grant, uh, and so through that we don't, we don't really take the money home. We fund like developers and audits for other people to help promote our cause. Um, it, th- there is benefit. Like mm-hmm. um, I, I, I wouldn't say it, it's like, obviously I don't think I'm a greedy person, but I do get other benefits. like I get early information and I get, um, you know, I, 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 I end up benefiting in the long run even if i'm not trying to extract value from what i'm doing
0: yeah that's kind of almost the beauty of decentralization so if i find that so many projects in the decentralized world it behooves a person to work with the system rather than try to hack it because the amount of effort you're going to put in often you'll either gain more coin or you'll gain more more notoriety and then which would in essence gets you involved with other people that ends up getting you more coin. so it's it's always yeah
3: the networking effect is great. Um, it's it, it means that I can do what I believe is the right thing, and I'm still benefiting from from that work, and it's mm-hmm. it's a good deal. Yeah,
0: you uh, you wrote down that you call yourself the Beacon Chain Health uh, Health Consultant. Consultant,
3: yeah, <laughs> I, and that is um, it's a name I made up for myself, but every time I test it, I'm like, oh, it really fits. Um, yeah. Essentially, I'm trying to to help people realize that. Um, the health of the network really is valuable to all of us. Like if you if you go and talk to like a nurse and she's like, or, or maybe like a, a regular health consultant, they're like, you know, you need to eat healthy. You need to get eight hours of sleep. You need to exercise every day. Um, and you're like, okay, those are the things I need to do to be healthy.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, I'm the guy who takes the beacon chain and I'm like, hey, these are the things we need to do to remain healthy. We need to have client diversity. We need to have staking that's accessible to anybody that wants it. Um, we need to steer away from centralized stakes. Um, hey, you need to upgrade your client. Like, the, So those are the kinds of things that I do. Um, my counter to that is uh, if, if I'm someone from another chain, I'm gonna be like, ha ha, Ethereum needs people to take care of its chain or it's not going to thrive. Um, and the, the problem with that is uh, the chain is going to survive no matter what we do. Mm-hmm. But if we as end users invest in our chain, invest in the health and growth and security of our chain, it's going to be so much more robust in the long term. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the chain needs us. It's like, we can improve the capacity of the chain by making good decisions.
0: By chance, did your personal thought on solo staking versus um, people that can stake less than 32, has that evolved through the last years or so? Uh,
2: It it has
3: been a struggle for me, to be honest, because uh, launching eStaker, my my intention was to support solo stakers. Um, And then when the network went live, uh, the solo stakers did their thing and what we're left over with are these people who have less than 32 Ether but still want to stake. Mm-hmm. And they're figuratively banging my door down saying, where do we go? Where do we go? Yeah. And um, the only thing that I have been able to say is, um, you know, this, this is, these are the list of available solutions. I can't vouch for tr- any of them, but if you need to stake, that's what you can choose from. Things are pivoting now. Because I'm excited about assuming that Rocket Pool gets on mainnet and it works well,
2: yeah.
3: um, that means there's not a smart contract vulnerability, um, then I'm going to be able to say, hey, look, it's okay. Here's a good alternative. Um, and when a better alternative comes along, I, you know I'm also going to endorse that. Yeah. Uh, Rocket Pool is the minimum standard. and don't get me wrong,' it's, it's a great it's a great standard, yeah. but it's the minimum standard for an acceptable pool. And we want to build from that. But everything else has been unacceptable. And mm. so I just can't vouch for it.
1: Gotcha.
0: Um, you wrote, wrote uh, what does it mean for staking, for a staking client to be open source, trustless, and decentralized?
3: Yeah. And, and you, you sort of went over that yourself. It, it is um, open source means, obviously, like it's on GitHub. Uh, that if I want to fork it, um, the operators may not like that but the potential exists. The code can be examined, it can be redeployed. Um, Open source is hard when you're trying to make money because it's essentially giving your product away. But it's the only thing that can work because if it's closed source, it is a black box and it can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. Um, Trustless again refers to the use of smart contracts that no person ever has ever should have access to move your coins Mm. uh, so that if someone pulls a gun on me and says give me the coins i can say honestly i don't have control over them i'm sorry i you know do what you want but you're not going to be able to get them either Uh, and decentralized again refers to uh, we have this giant globe and rather than seeing operators in a few places we want to see a thin layer of operators all around the world so when a country is cut off that um you know someone with a ham radio is then transferring packets and seeding that entire network just with one connection um that's not possible when you have a centralized network it just yeah. breaks things
0: i think the term trustless is interesting because in, in the dictionary trustless is a bad thing in the decentralized world it's a very it's a very good thing. It's probably the best. Yeah, thing. the
1: best.
3: So
0: I'll, I just want to just re or defi- I just want to define it.
3: It, it took me a, such a long time to really get my my rhetoric around that correct because you want to trust things. People want to trust.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: you know, you can be a trusted friend, and then you know I would give you my cash, and you would behave with it. Um, but when it comes to any kind of cryptocurrency. The idea is that trust should not be required. Mm-hmm. Trust should never need to be an element. I should never need to trust that you're going to do the right thing. You may be my best friend or my worst enemy, but if we don't require trust, if we're trustless, we can do the exact same business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is that's where trustlessness comes in handy. Um,
0: I would almost uh, define it like uh, because trustless, um, at least in the in the in staking and mining. You're trusting, uh, say the no- you're trusting another node because they validated the same answer that you've come up with. They said the answer is this, and when my mining node did that same uh, mathematical algorithm or equation or whatever you want to call it, it came with the same exact answer. So now I could trust you. It's a network of trusting because you didn't trust and you came up with the yeah, same answer.
3: That's I, I would say that's trustless because I didn't trust you, but I checked. And now I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I didn't have to believe that your that your ledger is correct. I don't I don't I don't believe anybody. Yeah. But I checked, and now I know.
0: Uh, next one. Do you think Rocket Pool is a final product, or do you think it will face strong competitors?
3: Yeah. Well, and 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 that's the idea that um, it's a first generation of this type of product, and I'm really looking forward to uh, iterations.
2: Yeah.
1: Are you aware of anybody else working on Rocket Pool competitors?
3: There's, nothing close right now. Lido is, is, would be considered the closest competitor and they are completely, um, they're custodians. So it's, it's nowhere close.
1: Gotcha.
0: How do you see your role in the cryptocurrency ecosystem? Actually, we're actually, I think on that one, what do you think would be the future? As in, so I I could see welcoming will always kind of be a, a part of it, but say there's probably, I'm guessing there'll be a point where ETH, Beacon chain ETH 2.0. So uh, let's say March of next year, ETH 2.0 comes out. We're uh, we're running on that. I'm gonna guess maybe end of next year. Maybe it'll be like kind of st- steady. St- uh, be um,
1: you're saying at some point we will successfully transition over to proof of stake on the Beacon chain. That's what
0: I'm thinking. So what what in your mind? What do you think you would be? What would your role be after that?
2: You know,
3: it's really hard to predict. Um, it's it's really hard to predict the future. <laughs> 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 when, when I began Eastaker, East I knew the mission then was to involve solo stakers, um, and then it began to um, uh, find a, a way for stakers with less than 32 ETH to be involved. And then it began, uh, it became um, developing these tools. To make staking easier, because right now it's a CLI kind of thing, and you really want clickable tools.
1: What's CLI? Um,
3: command line interface. It is basically uh, a the bash prompt on Linux, which intimidates a lot of people. Right. So I'm not the a next thing i
1: so I don't know how to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: I, I want you to be able to download a program, click three buttons, and be staking. Yeah. Uh, and we are moving toward that. Yeah. Uh, when that when that goal is reached. It's hard for me to say what my role will be. If I were to make a wild guess, it would be um, promoting validators in remote regions, mm. um, and that would be kind of a way to, like I had talked about, uh, getting validators in schools with small, you know, remote governments, like where they don't have any commerce with the outside, but there are still people who. Could benefit from wealth. Um, Sounds like so, you're talking about Africa. It, you know, it's not specifically Africa because uh, you know there's a lot of stuff like that in South America. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I, it could be Africa very well, <laughs> but
2: <laughs> okay.
3: it, I'm, it I'm could be remote. It could be remote Montana, uh, oh, yeah. like where where it's it's a an isolated community that doesn't have commerce with anyone else, um, but that that bump from a validator would really stimulate their their economy, let them buy supplies from the outside. Um, so I imagine, just wildly guessing, that that might be um, one of my next focuses.
1: Ah, uh, to tempt Eskimos with freaking iPads. So that segues yeah. us kind of <laughs> nicely
0: talking about the future. A lot of the questions I have up, upcoming now is going to be kind of just Uh, opinion, less facts, what you predict, what you...
1: Wait, can I give you guys a trustless analogy before we go there? Yeah, Mr. Analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Trustless is uh, like if somebody's making you some food, if you're hanging out with them in the kitchen, you don't have to trust them because you were there when they pulled the, the meat out of the fridge and you saw them cooking the veggies and you watched them, they didn't put any poison in it. And you're hanging out talking and there's no question about what they did there's no trust issues. It's trustless it's just you, you saw what happened. But if you go to a restaurant and they bring out this beautiful plate of food, the kitchen is in the back and you have no idea what happened prior to that point. You, you think you, they tell you what they're serving you and you think you can tell, but in the end yeah. you have to trust that they didn't do anything funky.
3: And that is really great because I think about a service like Coinbase. Yeah. Um, like I like to eat out. I trust restaurants when I go out and they yeah. bring me great food. Coinbase provides a great service. I like what they do, Yeah. but their their role is not providing for the security of Ethereum. When it comes to that, I can't trust them. So yes, I love everything that they prepare, but when it comes to trust, I can't offer that. I need to see how it's happening.
1: Gotta be hanging out in the kitchen. Yeah, or, exactly. you,
0: or you pay extra for the uh, guacamole guy to come out to do the guacamole <laughs> yeah, in front of your table. I
1: feel. Do y'all not feel
3: bad about that? I'm like, <laughs> please prepare, prepare it in the back and bring it out to me. Put it At- in the blender. I don't care.
0: I think Emmett's the same way. He asked them. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Not do, not do in front of the table. <laughs> well, I mean, 20, <laughs> 20 years ago, I worked at a Mexican restaurant and I hated fucking doing that.
3: <laughs> I, I It's like, I know they hate it. Like, I don't need the fancy stuff. Give me the stuff you got out of the can. I'm good with that. <laughs> all
1: yeah. right. So
0: reminder, this is all abstract, opinionated. No problem. Um We're going off future. the rails. We're going off the rails. How far do you think blockchain will go?
1: To the moon. All the oh, way. Sorry. All
3: the way. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, um, People aren't going to know that they're using blockchain enabled services, um, but it's going to be ubiquitous. Uh, it's it's going to take longer than I thought it would happen, uh, but it's moving faster than I thought it could. That's a contradiction.
0: This next question I think is more for Fizz, but if Emmett, if, if, if you want to add to it. Um, dicks, dicks, dicks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot my question. <laughs> uh, it was about NFTs.
0: Okay. When, when, when people say, um, they'll say something like, I'll, I'll say, do you, what do you think about Bitcoin or Ethereum? Or what do you think about cri- cryptocurrency? I've yeah. had people come back and say, I don't think cryptocurrency is the future, but I think blockchain is, what do you guys think about that statement?
3: uh, uh
0: either way, whoever wants to answer first,
2: I'm gonna let you have it first.
1: Okay. I talk too much. So blockchain is the future, but not cryptocurrency. Um, so these are people that are saying, I, I had a similar discussion with an uncle he's an older dude and he's he's like uh you know there might be something there to that bitcoin stuff but i'm i'm just too old i'm not gonna be around for it i don't, you know i don't need i don't need to worry about it right so i think people who are saying blockchain is the future are saying hey i get it there's something unique about a public unchangeable accounting ledger that seems highly useful but if you want to tell me it's money i have a hard time believing it's money and, I, and then i started asking him questions about you know, how do you trust the money on your debit card? And they go, well, in the end, it's backed up by the U.S. economy in some way, right? They, they trust the government, they trust the U.S. economy, they trust the world around us, and they're not ready yet to trust that a computer program can have a value like money. So I think that is, I'm guessing what is going on in the minds of people that give you that answer or that question that they they're okay with blockchain, but they don't, believe in cryptocurrency as money yet yeah. alright Fizz um,
3: it, it has been really great talking to you and I hope we see each other again sometime soon take care best wishes <laughs> <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> so now because <laughs> Yeah. I ain't got time for that shit. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think, actually, I thought,
0: I mean, you brought a pretty good point on that. Um, I, I guess I didn't look in their thoughts of it as an open ledger and not, they're, they're breaking apart the ledger and the money. I didn't think mm. about that, but I, I kind of agree a little bit with Fizz, but my, my thoughts is more blockchain is the power of cryptocurrency. And if they think that blockchain is the future, they eventually will use cryptocurrency, if that makes sense. I think that- Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's my-
3: uh, What what I found, I, I, I spent a long time trying to convince people of the uh-huh. value of cryptocurrency, and I'm in this phase now where I don't need to convince you of anything. I don't need to sell you anything. I yeah. don't care what you believe, like what beliefs you hold. You're welcome to hold them. I'm not going to challenge them. If you're ever curious, ask me questions, but- it's been great talking to you i hope you i wish you the best <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I just i'm not i'm not going to try to convince anyone of anything
0: i like where you're going with that but do people do you find that there's people that do in their way of questioning it they're uh how would i explain like there's certain people that they when they find out that i really love cryptocurrency they start saying well the us dollar uh, is backed by the government what's you what's your cryptocurrency backed in? do you get people that are somewhat comfort confrontational
3: well, so yeah. It, I, and I don't, I, I'm very averse to confrontation in general. Like mm. I'm, I, I enjoy sharing ideas and visiting with people. Um, but w- to be honest, when, when people say things to me like that, I usually just give them the win and laugh inside. Like, I, yeah. I don't care.
2: Like uh, okay.
1: it, I yeah. I'm just, um, yeah, for me, I, um, I go to a basic thing of, look, uh, you're questioning whether it's money or not. So to me, <laughs> If something is money the question is will somebody else trade me something for that money right so right now a penny can't buy you much so i don't i don't even even consider pennies money like you give me a pile of pennies it doesn't look like money but if you have ethereum and bitcoin you can buy some stuff with it somebody will gladly trade you stuff for your ethereum bitcoin right so to me that means it's money and that somebody will exchange they'll give me stuff for it they'll sell me something so that tells me it has a value and it's money uh, and then I know the IRS definitely wants to tax me on they're asking me a lot of questions about what's going on with cryptocurrency in my last tax return so um, I don't have anything to report but uh, they're they're saying hey if you made some money on crypto that tells me it's money too if the US government's into it and probably thirdly Wall Street is very interested in cryptocurrency the last couple of years here so if you don't think Wall Street is in the money game then you and I have a different, uh, understanding of the United States yeah. and the economy. Yeah.
3: I, I would say I have, I have friends that I have, have talked to over 10 years about cryptocurrency and they have never shifted their position. Mm. And so I, that ends up being just a, a time suck. Like yeah. they don't want to learn or grow. They just want to prove that I'm wrong. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really make time for that. But if, if someone has any shred of actual interest not yeah. like not just in saying, you know, convince if if someone ever says convince me, I'm like I'm already out. Um, <laughs> like, but if if someone's like help me understand, then shoot, you have I'll give you all night. You know, yeah. I'll give you three hours in a podcast. Like, that's great. Yeah, I, awesome. I want to talk about it. What uh, what
0: type of what um big thoughts do you have for blockchain? Any b- big projects that you think of that you think could be really big? For me. Um, I, I mean, I think just simply re, redoing a government. I think that sounds obscene, but a government that, absurd, ups, absurd. Um, Our current government is obscene. <laughs> <laughs> if if you have a government that respects blockchain, blockchain a, d- a data set of truth, a consensus of truth, um, that would be an amazing way to do redo government from voting to putting laws on the blockchain, allowing wallets your wallet can vote on a new law that changes the original law? So what do you guys think of blockchain? I
3: I think records management is going to be the next, one of the next big explosions. Um, I think that things like property records, marriage records, death Uh certificates, birth certificates, student records, medical records, Mm -hmm. all of those I believe will be um, better stored, transmitted, viewed by the people who need to see them, I really think that the next big uh, generation is going to be records on the blockchain. What do you
0: think about identity? As in, so I I I agree with you on that. And then I always, when I think about that, I always think that identity is the the um, a key part of that. Meaning, yes, absolutely. How do I get uh, some type of record online? Say a wallet that only I have access to that wallet to say that I am Lim Lee. And if someone does their fingerprint, their blood analysis or whatever, I, I don't know how to program it. or I don't know how you would do it. Um, the Some of the thoughts I've had was trying to build a fingerprint reader that, huh? that takes a uh, that's a de- decentralized fingerprint reader, because then you would put you scan a, a template fingerprint that's on the blockchain from that blockchain. You, you print it out, you scan it, and then it has the code that it's supposed to extrapolate. I, I don't know. I've, I haven't. I've, I've
3: kind of like. Well- bound, you know, uh, this is, is something we should probably pursue as soon as we get off this call. Uh-huh. Fingerprints are so unique. They could be, and, and they have they have um, specific flags. I feel very confident that you could derive a private key from a fingerprint. Like that is not, that's not challenging. But then you leave a fingerprint everywhere you go. Uh, the same with DNA. So it needs to be two parts. It needs to be your fingerprint and then something only you can provide, uh, which is scanner. something that's locked. Locked in your mind. And I see something in your mind that can be recoverable by your friends if you lose it, um, which ends up being a little complex.
0: uh, Just adding, maybe adding a password plus the fingerprint. Yeah. So I, I,
3: well, go ahead. Where things like that are moving toward right now um, are uh, what's called social recovery wallets. So essentially I have a 12 word wallet and I have uh, three friends or family members who can coordinate to recover Mm -hmm. that. Um, ah. and that, that ends up making a unique identity, huh, some,
0: to, some sort of like multi-sig type of situation <laughs> you could probably set up with that.
3: Yep. Our Ar- Argent is, is probably the leader in that right now, wow. uh, but I, it also made me think of proof of humanity, um, which is, it's another <laughs> service where, wait, um, is that I'm, I'm not
1: a robot? <laughs>
2: well, well <yeah. laughs> it's similar.
3: Like you have okay. to, you have to do create a video of yourself. Um, and yeah. that video is evaluated by people, um, to determine whether or not you are a real person that represents that identity. Uh, yeah. and once you are, they actually stream you, you be a, a universal basic income. Like they stream you coins. If you're real.
1: Oh, huh. I'm in oh, there's
3: a, uh, one more bright ideas. Another, another project like that, that I'm a very big fan of What's that? Uh, they, they use. So bright ID, uh, uses your connections to verify your uniqueness. Uh, so, um, if you sign up for bright ID, we could connect. And then you could say, yes, I know Fizz he's a real person. And so when I have 500 people saying, yes, I'm a real person, it increases the likelihood that I'm I'm real. Um, but Uh, if, if someone says, ah, that person's not a real person, they can flag it. Um, and it, it sort of gives that, uh, I would never flag (laughs) it. Yeah. It it, it gives a a weighted judgment about how real someone is. Uh, And finally, while I'm on these, I can't stop. Sorry. No. Poap is also Poap is a great tool for social identity. Um, if if there if you have a Poap wallet that shows a hundred events, and you're like, "Hey, I went to that event," um, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that person was in that picture," and I kind of remember them. Or yeah. um, he ate all the croissants. To,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like,
3: I didn't know him, but he was there. Um, that, that's another great way to kind of prove uniqueness.
1: I like it. Sorry, I get excited no, about that. That's no, awesome, man. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what Lim wanted. Yeah, th- exactly. I, I love these conversations. He's gonna rewatch this part of the podcast, like <laughs> 18 times. <laughs> Cause he asked it, he like, ah, oh, cut that shit <laughs> out. Um,
0: next kind of question is, I, I mentioned to Emmett about truth by consensus uh, often. I think he, he either thinks I'm crazy or, yeah, he, he pretty much thinks I'm crazy. Um, ha- when you think about decentralization, blockchain, cryptocurrency, do you think about truth cons- by consensus as in how it can re- revolutionize the world or what's your thoughts on that?
3: Uh, so we talked about my big mistakes in crypto, my big missteps. Um, <laughs> I like how this is starting one of the ones? <laughs> yeah. One of the ones I didn't get to <laughs> uh, is a project called Augur, um, which I'm still a, a great fan of. Oh. Um, but Augur is a prediction market oh, and yeah, it yeah. It, allows, it allows the wisdom of the crowd to divine truth in on the network. Um, and it didn't work out, I think mostly because of complexity and because of gas fees. But um, I really think it ha- there's a lot of potential for something like that. The, the newer generation of that is a project called Reality cards, um, which is is actually just launching now. Um, and that's sort of where you have two things that that might be true, and you rent the card that is most likely, to be the outcome. Um, And if you are the holder of the winning card at the end, you get to keep the NFT and the rent fees. Uh, So it allows you to divine truth on the blockchain and win with possession of NFT. So yes, the blockchain will definitely uh, have the opportunity to revolutionize um, truth. I, I felt very angry with politics in the United States because uh, even now, when you when you're dealing with something like COVID, like truth is truth ends up being molested and ambiguous. Mm. But if you use these platforms, you can uh, divine real truth. Excited yeah. about that?
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think when we think about just just data and anything that's quantifiable digitally, anything whether it be history I mean even well, history is not quite quantifiable
1: well how many people showed up but it's a real the, thing that happened one way or another way like yeah. it, there's no gray
0: I, I, well, well I would I would argue I would argue uh oh <laughs> say it's getting dirty uh, say the government yeah. um, uh, there was 10,000 people during the Civil War that fought against, uh, what would be the south against the north it's bigger numbers yeah but well, I, I'm but the government can prop uh, can write that in the history books, and because the government has the the military and they control the and the country, so we would see it as ten thousand. And so history is, it, I'm I'm saying it's not fully quantifiable because that's changeable by the people who govern that.
3: Yeah. So that, well, yeah. It, it's it, it's not saying there are two versions of reality. It's saying that. Uh, Reality can be manipulated in hindsight. Yes, yes, yeah. Mm, yeah. Or perceptions of reality can yeah. be manipulated in hindsight. And so, That's in
0: true. essence, I, I'm not saying blockchain will fix everything because there's still people involved. That people are going to do their greedy, selfish stuff. But I'm hoping blockchain will will help the good people find what systems, build systematic ways to to make the the city, the government, everything better.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're right. When identity is on the blockchain. Um, when someone dies and there's a death record and a reason why they died then you go to dune analytics and you're like tell me all of the people that died at this war and it's like here are the 7806 people that died um and you you then have really strong data that's not altered by uh, it it, it won't be perfect because someone still has to transfer that data from reality to the chain but once that's done it's there
0: and, and once you get the consensus of truth, if 51% of the people, I don't, I don't know what the algorithm would be at that point, but if 51% of the nodes agree on that, and maybe at that point, nodes will be, be equated to identity. So 51% of all people agree that that person's dead. It's truth. It's probably, they're
3: probably yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Truth by consensus.
3: Oh, man.
1: I, I agree. Gotta, I got to convince more than 49% of people that I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Not quite dead yet.
1: <laughs> hey, can we spend uh, five minutes on NFT questions? Yeah. I think I understand NFTs are kind of like art that you can buy digital art. Uh, what I don't understand is why the valuations are so high. Is there is there some kind of speculation behind that? or what what's driving these values? What do you, I mean, cause you're in a different space, but yeah, uh, I think
2: I, space-
3: I don't, um, well, so I'm the same. I, it, I scream at the top of my lungs. I don't know why you're paying 300 ether for a JPEG. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love, so I, I have some NFTs. I yeah. like, um, but nothing of that caliber. If I buy an NFT, it's because I, I believe in what it's, what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. I bought some moonshot bots because it, the money goes to fund um, development. Um, I bought sonar cats because the money goes to to develop a uh, a television series.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But all of these random NFTs that are like essentially JPEGs with no no guarantee behind them. Yeah. But except money go up, dollar go up, whatever the number go up.
4: Yeah.
3: I don't get it. Uh, like zero.
4: Okay.
3: Um, I, I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to yellow into them.
0: I, I don't know how true this is. This is the stuff I've been reading on Reddit. So take a lot of salt with it. People are saying it's mostly money laundering. Like, so so like, it's just like uh, when, when uh, rich people buy art and they're yeah. trying to avoid taxes on those millions and millions of dollars, mm-hmm. uh, that's what these NFTs, they could be doing. They're sending each other.
3: I, yeah. I know a lot of the people who are deeply invested in this and for them, it's not money laundering. It is, it's an expression of value. It's simply value that I don't understand. Um, Like there's a guy, DC investor who I've known him on Reddit for years and he buys some holy shit, expensive NFTs. He knows what he's doing. I just don't get it. And I, I, like I can acknowledge that it's, it's not something that I would participate in.
1: Well, so I think Um, the one that clarifies it for me is like, you can, somebody bought the first tweet, right? Somebody bought an NFT of the first Twitter tweet from Jack Dorsey. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that kind of makes, that's a historic, you know, Twitter's a big thing. That's the first one. That's interesting, but turning it into a non-fungible token doesn't make sense to me because anybody could have a copy of that. Right. So if you had the only copy and only you could look at it, that kind of makes more sense to me. But if anybody can have a digital copy of basically the same thing, how is it it, then not?
3: I I get that because it is the Jack Dorsey version of it. Like he had, he had the right to sell it and yeah. that makes it valid. Anyone else who who screenshotted it and put it on an NFT, so they, it wouldn't have the same value. Like there there has to be some um I hesitate to use the word authority because that's not the right word, yeah. but there has to be some assessment that the person who sold it had the right to exchange that value. Yeah. Um so in the exchange of in, in the like case of an of a of a tweet. Mm-hmm. I should be allowed to sell my tweets, but someone else shouldn't have the opportunity to screenshot those and then NFTIs them and sell them because they have no legitimate claim to it. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It makes that. sense to me. Yeah. I see that going for 30 bucks though, not $30 million.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause we can all, we could all have our own copy. We all know exactly what the tweet was, right? We could, yeah. It's a weird thing I, to have exclusive possession of something, not exclusive.
3: I, I'm really shifting my position because I, um, not, not, not to this grand value, but recognizing the NFTs are going to be very valuable in the future, uh-huh. but it's, for me, it, it's the ones that will be valuable. Like they're not, uh, these collections of generative art. They are these, uh, representations of actual value, um,
0: I would think in video games, it'd be awesome. I would love to see like, um, say Call of Duty, you play Call of Duty after 40 hours, you got this, uh, award that said you killed 500 people that award then is, could be an NFT. And then say, uh, so, uh, Call of Duty is made by Activision. So say uh blizzard, blizzard comes out with a game that's, I don't know, World of Warcraft part two and says, if you have that NFT, we will also give you, but that, that, Activision and Blizzard probably they would have said, hey, let's do a collaborative uh, game thingy. Uh, and whoever played yeah. our game gets rewards in your games. So I think that would I think in gaming world that'd be hmm. powerful. Is that an original idea? Um I've I've seen some games tried. To... Okay. Just not with an NFT. No, I don't think I've seen it with an NFT, no.
3: It I, I really believe it will happen. Like, you know, the the last season of Ethereum growth was DeFi. The current season is NFT. Mm-hmm. And I think it's at, it's at its very beginning. Yeah. Um, it, you never know where you're at in a curve until you're looking back, but I believe we're at the beginning of the NFT curve. Um, and I feel like it's very likely that mainstream adopt mainstream adoption will view NFTs as some sort of trophy that like, you know, you, you won it in a game or your dentist gives you an NFT for having a good checkup. Yeah. Um, you know my personal trainer gives me nft for doing that doing a workout that day um like they become these badges of honor this trophy collection of accomplishments and what i was referencing those are really Poap ideas but Poap is an nft it's distributed on uh, the xdai network so they're free yeah Uh, because you you really don't want to pay a hundred dollars in fees um to to get an nft that says you walked the dog today yeah but Damn
1: it. That's a trophy. I need, I have a, uh, I have a, a different theory. I don't know if this makes sense, but so guys like you guys that have been in Ethereum for a long time, right? So there's, there's people that started early and there's some people that have a ton of Ethereum, right? And for a long time, there wasn't a lot you could do with it. You could, you could buy some stuff on overstock.com. You could play that, uh, crypto game for a little bit. So that got exciting for a minute. Um, but I think if somebody has a ton of Ethereum, they love it and they want to spend it on something, they almost need some outlet because they go, oh, I got all this money this is burning a hole in my pocket. Right. That expression. I, I suspect that NFTs are allowing people with burning pockets to do something with their Ethereum. That's not just some, you know, faceless uh, finance thing. Right. I'm not looking at a chart or a graph anymore. Yeah. I'm doing something fun. What do you think about that as far as people that have Ethereum? Is that. I think there's a,
3: a lot of merit to that. But so, yes, I think that's very valid. My only counter to that would be people who have accumulated a lot of Ethereum have generally worked very hard for it. Yeah. And they are, many of those people are less likely to part with it for something that doesn't have
4: mm. uh,
3: that much perceived value. Um, yeah, I, I believe most people who are in it are really in it to trade up, um, yeah. as in, you know, I bought this for eight ETH and I sold it for 16 ETH. I don't think they're in it for the real, like, this is valuable to me. Yeah. They're in it for the greater fool's thesis. Got it.
0: I think that made me think about how many people actually hold that much ETH. And then, then it also made me think how many holders there are. So out of your circle of friends, Fizz, um, Obviously, please don't name any of them. How, how many <laughs> Who's do you rich? <laughs> how many of them do you know that probably held more than five years, seven years? Um, because I, I, I guess my train of thought is a lot of people just sell; they don't hold. Um,
1: you, you gotta uh, take profits.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people who don't hold cryptocurrency don't like me anymore because it's all I talk about.
2: <laughs> That's
3: kind of a self-selection bias. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. I'm the guy who gets drunk and goes to a party and talks about Ethereum.
2: Like, <laughs> like shut up,
3: <laughs> go away. I'm gonna invite you invite to our next pool anymore. party. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but that, I, go
0: ahead. Uh, in essence, I'm kind of thinking with that answer, then. The amount of people that have held for five, six plus years is very little. So, to your aunt, maybe connecting back to your thought train of thought was, people are holding so much, they're yeah. looking for a way, an outlet, but there's not really that many.
4: Mm.
1: Okay, that that's what I'm thinking. I th- so, I mean, it could be a lot of rich people buying a ton of Ethereum. That if they weren't doing this, they'd be buying Lamborghinis. That or, might be a, actually that. Um, all right, a rich guy could fuck I, around I, all he wants, right?
3: The rich people that I know aren't spending their ETH; they're sitting on it uh, because yeah. they 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 see 10k, they don't see 3k. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: they are they're spending for modest living expenses. Um, they have normal homes and normal cars, and they're not like even if they could, yeah, afford a, a thousand Lamborghinis, they're not really doing that um, because yeah. this is a conversation I've had with my wife. To get in that position, you had to have some measure of intelligence and self-control.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so you don't magically wind up in that position and then blow it all on accident. Because even if you didn't work hard for it, you still didn't come across it by accident.
1: Right. You oh. you and you intelligently worked for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: I, I, I make a distinction between investors and gamblers. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny how how much people will argue with me about this, but yeah. investors make I'm sorry gamblers make impulsive decisions. They don't they don't have a long term plan. They're not building generational wealth. They see something interesting, they dump what they have, and they buy what they see. Uh, yeah. Or an investor is someone who buys with the profits they've made. They have sell targets, and they're thinking about generational wealth. Um, and that is really like. Um, I, I'm thinking about generational wealth, and so I don't need to buy a mansion or a Lamborghini mm-hmm. to show off what I have now. I am more interested in living a happy and comfortable life and sharing generational wealth with my family.
1: Oh well, don't use, don't do all this just to spoil your damn kids, man. No, no, <laughs> but
3: I, I, I don't mean, I don't mean. Like rich, I just mean yeah. like able to able to make choices for yourself without without being forced to do what someone else wants you to do. Yeah. Like there's a, a big difference there. It's not about lavish riches. It's about um you know, what kind of job do I want to have? Do I wanna have a job that grinds me to the bone, or do I wanna be able to do something that I enjoy and have vacations and and not feel like I'm squeezed.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm looking for early retirement. (laughs) That sounds nice.
0: What do you guys think, or more for Fizz, what do you see in the upcoming ETH, uh, like changes upcoming that's exciting to you, and or what are also things that you think are very possible within the next two to five years?
3: Uh, What's really exciting right now is L2's, uh, uh, Layer 2 solutions like Arbitrum, Mm -hmm. Um, has taken a lot of pressure off of the Ethereum mainnet. Uh, that is something that uh, the core developers have been talking about for years, and it's really beginning to pay off now. Oh. Uh, ETH2 was this idea of expanding Ethereum's capacity, and many people think that means the new chain. But what it really means is uh, us, a lot of solutions that work together. Uh, Arbitrum is that kind of um off main chain solution with the same security that expands the capacity of Ethereum. So that, that's one thing I'm I'm excited about the merge, uh, about you know ending mining, ending all of that power usage and securing the network in a way that's that's more beneficial for the environment and more distributed among the holders. Um, I really look forward to adoption by industry. Um, that's something we're seeing a lot with EY, the, the auditing firm,
1: Ernst and they're young.
3: integrating. Yes. They're integrating a lot of, in fact, they're developing tools to, to make, uh, auditing work well with things like the Ethereum blockchain. It's kind of what Lean mentioned earlier. Like, um, you don't want people changing history when you're an auditor, you yeah. want things that are set in stone. Right. And that is an extremely powerful tool that, that they're leveraging. So that's my, like, couple of uh, year outlook.
0: What do you, uh, I had two questions. What do you think about layer two at once proof of stake is done? And then um, I'll think about this. I, f- I forget yeah,
3: the second one. Yeah, do
1: those on. work together?
3: Yeah, uh, they, Would- they're designed to work hand in hand. It's not, uh, all solutions that improve the capacity of Ethereum are valuable solutions. Um, I don't think that, uh, I don't think it's a competition. It is, it is, bringing the capacity to the network that, uh, carries it for the next 50 years. Um, and as we discussed earlier, I don't think, regardless of the rhetoric, I don't think any chain is near the research capability that Ethereum is, is bringing to reality.
1: Did you say it was called Arbitrum?
3: Arbitrum is the newest layer two solution. Uh, and yeah. it's been in development for quite a while. Um, it, it essentially looks like you're on mainnet, except you flip to a network called Arbitrum. And you you do have to transfer funds over a bridge, Yeah. but then fees are really cheap and they're easy to send right back when you're done.
1: So uh, a couple of months ago, Matic was really popular. Is that the same, mm-hmm. the same kind of thing or?
3: Yes. So Matic is, is considered technically a side chain, but it's, it operates very similar to what you think of as an L2. Um Arbitrum is a more pure solution, mm. um, whereas Matic is, well, Matic and Polygon. It's it's an incredible tool for what it's designed for, but it doesn't have the same security assumptions that Arbitrum does. Uh. The benefit is it's cheaper um, and it's it's extremely flexible. So Matic is technically a side chain, but still uh, they don't look the they don't look different to an end user. Okay.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, would proof of stake, the speed and the speed of it can obsolete layer two stuff?
2: No, no
3: we, we still need layer two. Um, so it uh, proof of stake will increase capacity a little bit uh, and then we're going to have sharded layers, but those sharded layers are most likely going to contain data. Um, at the in the beginning, there will only be one execution chain. Uh, so, this idea of 64 times more capacity is is not entirely accurate. We really need essentially things like Arbitrum or um, other other tools that can store data on the Ethereum main chain but do uh, computation off chain.
1: Can I buy some Arbitrum right now?
3: That's uh, interesting. I don't know how long it will take you to to edit and publish this, but there's speculation that there could be an Arbitrum airdrop. There's no there's no Arbitrum coin,
2: uh-huh.
3: um, but there are fair rumors that if you either bridge Arbitrum or do certain activities on the Arbitrum layer, that um, you could receive an airdrop for your trouble. Uh, so I, I don't know. That's just a just yeah, a thing. Hopefully,
0: if the airdrop thing is or. Um, that means whatever holdings that you have, then you'll get the same amount in the Arbitrum. Uh, but, but you can't buy some Arbitrum. Well, when they create, uh, the Airdrop. It, it point, doesn't exist right now. When yeah. they create it, and then you will get an ex- a copy of your coins on there, on that.
1: But I won't get any because I didn't work on it. But I'm the, not giving, well, I'm not helping. What what you would need to do, say you wanted to be,
3: you wanted to be part of this Arbitrum Airdrop. Yeah. Um, you would have ETH on mainnet. Uh, and let's say you sent, you know, 0.1 ETH over the Arbitrum bridge, and then it's on the Arbitrum network. Um, maybe someone else on Arbitrum, like maybe Uniswap is going to give an Arbitrum airdrop. So you'd want to go to Uniswap on Arbitrum and do a trade there. Mm. Um, it's not really clear where this, where this value might come from, yeah. but it's not going to be, you know, on MATIC, the gas for MATIC is the MATIC token.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: On Arbitrum, the gas is Ethereum. Yeah. So it's not really clear what kind of token might come from it, but there's a lot of realistic speculation that there's going to be some kind of reward.
4: Okay.
0: Um, on kind of a tangent of that, I think the beauty of being ETH holders for all of us is that any of these layer two uh, things, any sidechain stuff, even though say you want to get involved, involved in, Ar- Ar- I can't even say, Arbitrum? Arbitrum. Arbitrum. I just Arbitrum. wanted to make some money. So, but being an ETH holder, we indirectly, or, and, or sometimes directly, we benefit from this. ETH, even though they may grow big, that does end up helping ETH and us as holders, it helps us.
1: Yeah, I just want more money. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the, the kind of game you're looking at, are you aware of the zapper.fi um, game series, whatever? No. It, it's worth checking out. Um, so, and, and this is what I would call an accidental promotion. Um, an inadvertent promotion. Uh, Zapper.fi runs a game series where if you go to the Zapper platform and do activities, you can uh, earn points that get you NFTs and then you can sell those NFTs on the market by other people who want to hoard them. Uh, So their next season is starting, I think, September 25th.
2: Uh,
3: And really, you just go there and it's like, provide some liquidity so you provide $5 of liquidity for something you get points and then you can it, it is my friends and i call it a degen game cuz it's not really providing value yeah but there is a learning element really what they're doing is endearing you to their platform so that when you want to do something like that you're like hmm where do i go yeah. zapper uh, uh it's pretty cool
1: can you explain axie infinity to me no <laughs>
2: that's
3: what i i did uh i did uh whatever a screencast at uh east denver yeah. uh, and actually if was on there and i was like i just don't get this <laughs> sorry we're too old
1: we didn't like pokemon that much <laughs> yeah nice
0: all right i'm gonna uh start us into the final question section it's about five questions we got a decent amount of time so feel free to go on tangents
1: we can I ask one sure. before we go there yeah are are gas fees high right now, and uh, not at the moment. Is that what's what's the future of gas fees? They're always going to fluctuate or continually go down. No, or so
3: um, layer two solutions like Arbitrum are going mm. to reduce those to something that's modest, and that's where we're at right now. Um, they're going to find a balance point because th- you don't have to interact on main chain, but if it's cheap enough, you will. Mm. When it gets too expensive, you're going to go to an L two. So they're going to find this happy place that is not too hot and not too cold mm-hmm. because anybody who doesn't want to transact is going to take their business to an L2, yeah.
4: um,
3: which will lower gas fees. And when they get low enough, people are going to be like, ah, oh, we can do that. So simply on may chain. Why not just do it? Gotcha. Okay. So
0: just to throw it out there. I don't know if you would have an answer for it, but um, so I'm involved on in Axie Infinity where I'm a, uh, a An investment manager and there's another manager that manages that and there's a scholar that plays scholar gets 50 or 60 percent of the keep and then the manager gets uh like 30 and then i get 20 or something something like that um i got the slp which is the token and then i wanted to i wanted to i have to send it from ronin wallet to metamask and then swap i believe swap it from slp to eth and it wanted to charge $70 for that swap. Uh, so is that is that a gas fee thing or is that the smart contract? That's just, what, would you happen to be able to guess? Yeah, it's a
3: combination of both. Uh, so it, it sounds like it's gonna be a complex contract. Mm. Uh, and the more steps, so contracts cost by step, and the more steps they have, the more expensive it is. So uh, let's say that, we're gonna make up some numbers, that the contract has a hundred steps and you're going to pay one penny for gas, then it would cost you one penny to do that, or $1 to do that contract. If the contract is 100 steps, but gas is two pennies, you're going to pay $200 to do it. Um, likewise, if it's a 10-step contract and gas is a penny, you're going to pay 10 cents to do it. So it's a factor of both uh, contract size, contract steps, and gas together.
1: Um, they multiply.
2: Got yeah,
3: it. so it, it's, it's probably... A pretty complex contract and the i like to call it fanciness the fancier <laughs> something is the the more likely you're to you're going to pay high gas
1: okay
0: damn so yeah 70 dollars for that that swap well out. so
3: if you go to gasnow.org and scroll to the bottom um there's a a calendar of the past week that shows gas fluctuations mm-hmm. and you can kind of be like ah sunday at 4 a.m it's always cheap
1: and then yeah. you set your alarm and yeah, yeah, sleep yeah. over it. But yeah, we,
0: nice. uh, me and the manager have concluded Sundays are usually cheaper. So we're waiting for Sunday to check it to, yep. s- to see how yep, it Because
1: yep. uh, everybody's in church. That's why. <laughs> yeah, church <That's laughs> right. People are old fashioned. They don't like <laughs> cryptocurrency. I don't know. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, final question, Portia. Final
1: question. First
0: question, what great daily habits do you have? Habit or habits?
3: Yeah, uh, so I was actually I'm interested in this book called Atomic Habits. Um, I thought I was going to fly it up. Oh, look, that's Radical Markets. Um, so, <laughs> I I love the idea of habits and habit stacking. Um, and so, uh, rather than my specific habits, I love to stack habits. Like mm. find something I'm going to do every day, uh, like brush my teeth, and then every after I brush my teeth, I weigh. Um, and if I get really good at that habit, then I want to add another habit onto it. Like, mm. um, you know, after I I know every day I brush my teeth. And then I weigh, and so if I know I weigh, after I weigh, I want to pick up my clothes and put them in the hamper. And so I'm just stacking these behaviors uh, into daily routines that get pretty complex.
1: But then you um, become a robot.
3: Well, you, you package <laughs> you package routines, and so they become more simple, and you get to dedicate more of your thought to the things you want to do. Um, gotcha. So I, I have more downtime with thought and spend less time doing mundane activities because they are uh structured habits. Lately, Sorry.
0: lately my uh Sorry my habit has been uh when I f- have the post lunch um uh sleepiness I force myself yeah. to go do pull-ups and uh, leg uh it, hanging leg lifts. I hate it because oh, yeah. it it's like i'm i'm forcing myself hey you're getting sleepy that's your fault <laughs> go do some pull-ups i hate i hate it wait why
1: don't you just do it after lunch instead of waiting till you get sleepy um well after lunch your cut your your
0: belly's kind of, kind of feeling you down and stuff <laughs> okay. yeah i um
3: i recently injured my my foot and so it's it is killing all of my habits because oh, i uh, like they're all exercise based or yeah. so many of what I, so much of what i do is exercise based and i can't freaking walk so it's oh, yeah uh, I'm educating.
0: my left ankles uh i had a car accident five years ago broke my uh shattered my talus bone talus or talus yeah. um talus bone and yeah that it, it ruined so much so much of the exercises exercising that i can do it's terrible so i i could feel with you um i started for like if if you need workouts try to anything with like arms and upper body like pull-ups um get a what do they call it a caps, captain's chair where you put your
3: elbows on yeah on this like um it it really just ends up like rebuilding my habits like mm. because like i have to be in that i have to choose to want to do upper body mm. and I'm, I'm too busy feeling sorry for myself like <laughs> you know what i mean like i yeah. i could do that or i could sit here and pout like eh, it's pretty good yeah. <laughs> No,
1: you're good, man. Had, we had no idea that you are you're a peg leg right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> uh, typically the next question is what do you know or think of cryptocurrency? So but we, I, now eh, we know we <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> <laughs> <We're clears throat> gonna, sometimes that eats <throat> up a lot or eats up a lot of time, so we're gonna have to make some some uh, tangent subjects on <laughs> on it. I don't know.
3: <laughs> I thought I was talking too much. I got time to fill. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you're great.
0: All right. Uh, let's go to the next question then. What's the biggest problem for humans and what should we do to fix it?
3: Oh, oh shit. Can I think about this a minute? Oh yeah. yeah take your time. <gasps> Network networks. I already know.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay.
3: So I, I, I acknowledge I'm, I'm kind of a goody and I don't like, that's just, it's how I operate, but I think selfishness, uh, and I'm not like looking for world peace or anything, but, um, people are so focused on serving themselves that they don't spend time meeting the needs of others. Um, And and it even expands, like, I regret that there aren't better civics classes in United States schools Mm. because people never learn to be a part of a community, to serve a community, to serve others. They are focused on taking care of themselves. Yeah. Uh, and I, I deeply believe, <laughs> yeah, I I really believe if, if the world were less about getting yours and more about taking care of other people, then we could all like, the, the world would be a much better place. Um, God, well, can I, selfishness sounds like such a.
4: No, you know, that's real. That's real. What I am. Sorry.
1: I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, when I was a young man, I used to always jump in to help people move. If somebody was moving, I'd be happy to help you move. And then I realized after helping like a dozen people move, like this is never coming back to me. I don't have furniture and stuff. Like I'm never going to need help moving. I just move my own stuff. And then I got selfish about avoiding helping people move.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But you realize that. Think of the people who behave selfishly and never even Ah. become aware that they behave selfishly. They think that they are... Like they never acknowledge it. They're just doing their thing. Yeah. Um, like you could have helped 10 people move and then stopped because you weren't getting anything out of it and then forgotten about it. Really? But instead you had that awareness that's like, I I could have made a better choice.
1: <laughs> yes, I could buy my own pizza and beer. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't need to lift furniture for it. <laughs> there was a uh, psych,
0: psychologist, uh, uh, psychologist or ph- philosophical? But no, I think it's like psychologist. Um, man, I'm forgetting his name. I actually invited him in to do this podcast. Um, doctor, ah, M- oh, man, I'm, i I probably shouldn't even say it because it's just gonna mess it up. But he has a, a website that's a symposium of life. I might be even messing that up. But they had like uh 50 other uh professors of psychology and philosophy, and a, a big chunk of them was they said was doing things for others because our human body, our our chemistry we we biologically create endorphins when we all help each other help other people Mm -hmm. um so it's a weird thing to help others but it causes you happiness within you but i guess it depends on uh i don't know being selfish on like
1: instagram i feel like that's a no i'm providing entertainment to people (laughs) (laughs) they want to see what's happening in emmett's life
3: yeah i mean I, i i don't think Selfishness, it's, it's a real part of who we are. Like, I don't want to come across as someone who doesn't experience selfishness because I do our day, um, but <laughs> it's, it's a thing that, that we should recognize and work to overcome. Um, and uh, with that, you know, like I'm never going to become a selfless person, yeah. but I can always work toward being less selfish. Yeah. I, I think that is, that is the way the world becomes a better place.
1: I tell you the uh, the one that I hate is uh, <laughs> when people are in a Starbucks line and they buy the coffee of the person behind them, it's like, this is the last person on earth that needs help. <laughs> They've already yeah. decided to spend $7 on a dessert drink. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the charity you need to do. Yeah.
3: I There's that temptation to talk about ways that I like sharing, but it also, it, like if you talk about it, it, it tends to, diminish it, then like it, it, it changes the reason that you do it. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It like goes from
0: selfless to almost a selfish, uh, like
1: way to like be. bragging. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. But,
1: but if you tell I'm, me all the ways you like to help people, then I know what to ask you for. <laughs> <laughs> ask me for anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. So, so I think, I think you might've answered it, but I'm going to just, uh, Ask it again. How, what systematic way would, what would you do to fix that? I think you mentioned one thing, but I don't want to, I don't want to say it in case it wasn't your answer. <laughs> oh, how do you uh, think? The, being... the civics class? Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Oh, yeah. It was that. Okay. I, was
3: I, I, no, I, I don't know if that's, that's my, my final oh. answer. Oh. Uh, it, it's, it's just one, one thing that I, I observe and I fume about. Uh, so I have a, a, his, a, a background in education mm. and, um, it, it, saddened me to see that we focus on you know math science reading you know but we don't even social studies is not about becoming it's not about self and citizenship it's more of like history um and god i so, wish our kids
1: would just be good at math science and, and reading <laughs> <laughs> i'd settle for that <laughs>
3: i i don't know that that i could you know, just drop an easy solution to it. Um, if if there were one, it it would definitely be rooted in education. Um, but I I don't see that happening in the world that we live in. We're not, we're not trending toward a more selfless world.
1: Yeah. Our our last podcast was with a uh, high school teacher and, uh, we, we spent three hours trying to figure out education and we got nowhere. <laughs> we didn't have any improvements. It's, uh,
3: I, you know, I left education after 18 years, and uh, I'm I'm very disappointed with. I I loved where I worked. I loved you know my group of people. Yeah. But having a a broad understanding of education in the United States is is very disheartening. Like, yeah. it it's just. I, I don't i don't believe it's hitting the mark um that it could hit uh, yeah and it really it does a lot of it goes back to civics and and self-knowledge and um yeah citizenship and sh- and shit like that like well,
1: i think you see the wasted potential of every individual has a chance to become something awesome and you see so many people that don't and that's hard yeah to see Well, that I, I
3: hate I hate to linger on this, but I I feel like our education system is is designed to produce workers. um, Mm -hmm. And that that entrenches the value of the rich and it further disenfranchises the poor. Um, And to go further than that, the poor workers are so unknowledgeable about their role that they embrace it and um, think somehow that they are the top of the heap. And it's, Mm. it's it's just disappointing to me. That's all.
1: Yeah. Don't have any work ethic. That's useless. (laughs) Wait, now where we're going (laughs) I've I've had a
0: a thought for a while and it's totally unthought it's unthought out because there's so many pieces to it, but I I wish there was a way I'll just say the sentence and then how to figure it out. I don't know (laughs) Uh, if the government could build a system where corporations are incentivized to help more people, meaning. Uh, what would be a, 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 example, um, say some pharmaceutical company, Oxycontin in my case. Okay. Oxycontin. I almost got addicted to Oxycontin. Oxycontin is a terrible situation. The big farmer has the money to push it, push it to the doctors, doctors prescribing. It. Um, it was that, after your car accident. That was after my car car, car accident. Yeah, so Lim I can, I can,
1: wasn't just out looking for, uh, some oxy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not a, just a drug <laughs> user just to
0: be, be addicted to something, but the government should freaking put the hammer down on that. Now in a reverse situation, we get, well, in the current situation, Oxycontin, that, that company, I think mean, they got a slap on the hand. They made something like $400 million and they got slapped on the hand for 20 billion. million. Yeah. It's, it's, it's
2: billion. Yeah. And
3: they're getting away with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: So I, I, I they did good. So my train of thought with not really thought out is for companies that do good and help a lot of people. I wish there was a way to like get more tax money towards them.
1: Because yeah, it's called and, nonprofits, but,
0: but the,
3: the government, the United States, isn't structured that way. The United yeah. States is structured I, I think I'm to meant, promote it's the wealthy. around. <laughs> <I'm Yeah. it's, laughs> I, 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 I agree, but I. I don't yeah,
4: know.
0: yeah. I, I wish like it was for like if a nonprofit could be scalable and not, and not all the greedy corporation, corporate interests that run governments.
1: Well, obviously, mean, so it always goes back to the core problem in the U S is that, uh, rich people have money to buy the government. So once the, you, once you can buy the lawmakers, you make the new laws and that's the new system because the guy that wrote the laws was bought. Yeah. yeah. So,
3: and so I, I live in the South and we're not allowed to talk about this. Um, but yeah. we live in a capitalistic society and by definition our ultimate goal Mm -hmm. is the production creation and maintenance of money
4: yeah
3: it has there's no room in there for humanity no room for people no room for like giving it is all about accumulating money
2: yeah Um,
3: it's so odd to me that that if you ever challenge capitalism people like flip out like you're not allowed to, ca- to challenge capitalism where I live. Like you are just, you might as well be living in, you know, some
1: other country. Well, cause um, then you're a communist. Hey, don't say it. <laughs> They're going to come get me. <laughs> I'm like, wait, you're telling me that
3: community is more important than money. Come on. Well, Sorry.
1: Nice knowing you, Fizz. <laughs> I know, right?
3: <laughs> How dare you? you value community, sir?
0: All right, next question. What's your favorite food or dish?
3: Oh, tough question. Oh, <laughs> uh, we are having Indian tomorrow. Uh, Indian cuisine is probably my favorite right now. Um, have you? Had I but- love butter
1: chicken curry. You really are a communist. Oh, yeah, ah, butter yeah. chicken, man. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> so. Have, have you
3: had it? In it? I love it.
1: chicken. Uh, oh, masala, cool.
3: any any kind of curry,
1: like shove it in my face. Yeah, but there's no butter in the recipe of butter chicken, right? I actually I don't no. even know how I don't it's know. It's like yogurt it based. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. I just get annoyed that it's called butter chicken and uh. it's not not made out of butter. Love it. it. It's yeah. still so, good. Yeah.
3: And, and then close second would be any kind of sushi dish. Mm. Sushi. Like, yeah.
1: Wait, what's what's he
3: Uh what's Nashville, Tennessee?
1: Nashville, okay. Oh, you're not that far yeah. south. it it feels like it nashville's a happening place right you got indian i feel so
3: so out of place in my area like my my i have very progressive values and they do not fit in this state at all
1: do you like line dancing no god no like (laughs) i don't would you buy the general lee if you got a good deal on it which is the uh, yeah? Hell yeah! Yes, I would, I would buy the <laughs> There you go. That's your Nashville card.
2: I, I, I would probably.
3: I don't know about the symbolism on it, but no, it's terrible. <laughs> the car is great. <laughs>
0: Next question: um, Think of at least two friends that should do this conversation. Call them out.
1: Oh, who would you recommend to go on this podcast?
3: Patricio Worthalter. He is the founder of Poap. Um.
1: Patricio, we want to see your po And I I, excuse, I have a, uh, a PFP,
3: an image of him on my desktop where I downloaded a picture. of it. I was like, oh, Patricio. And the other one is Exhibit from the Exhibit meme. Like <laughs> what? I'm kidding. A rapper? I'm looking at
4: images oh,
1: online. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- if we could get an Exhibit, I would love to grill his ass. <laughs> And have him explain his career to us. <laughs> was was he on right? Think. Yeah, I think okay. so.
3: Um, it's funny because most of the people who I think of like already do their own show. Uh-huh. And so they don't they don't always have time to do like crossover stuff. Because oh, if man. you do like a daily show like this, you're doing this, you know, eighty yeah. hours a day.
1: Um, we can go on their show, that's fine.
3: <laughs> and the other that. one would be Jeremiah Nickel. He runs uh, the ETH Finance subreddit. He is by far one of the most interesting and well-thought-out people that I know. He is a hoot. Oh, uh, awesome. So those are my two. Cool. I know I'm happy with them. I didn't yeah. think I'd be able to pull that off.
2: Good. We're
1: <laughs> coming after you guys. <laughs>
0: All right, we're gonna do the uh, the outro. So, uh, do you do you have a cup? Let's cheers to the end, and then don't hang up.
3: Hey, once- wait, wait! One of those questions was if you had five thousand dollars to invest in crypto, uh-huh. where would you invest? That in? one's. I a, saw that question.
0: That's a part two, part three. So you, this is, this is your first
1: one. So <laughs> you if you do a part, back. you have to come back for part oh. two. <laughs> 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 I
3: actually
1: want this answer though.
0: Okay, go go ahead, and answer. I'll let you answer. <laughs> wait a minute, I'm so, that,
3: that's actually a, a part two, part three question. Uh, part- so two. I would have. To- Sorry?
0: Yeah, it's a part two question. So you'd have yeah, to Yeah, you would have to first.
3: actually invite me back. I, I couldn't I couldn't
1: divulge that early.
3: <laughs> <laughs> spoil everything. It is, I wanna know.
1: <laughs> I can't, I can't ask, give my goods away. Okay, let me ask you a different question. If you had four thousand dollars to invest in a cryptocurrency right now, what like if I gave you four grand and said, Let's put this in the market and it can't be ETH. <laughs> why not? That could be the best option. Okay, okay. I think he's going to answer ETH. <laughs> I, I want yeah, something I, that's not I, super sketch and I want to make some money.
3: I, to be honest, like, I I love ETH above all. Like, nothing, uh, you look at the market cap and I think the market cap is a terrible illustration of value. Yeah. Literally. Because <laughs> as I observe it, uh, ETH is a gold standard value and even Bitcoin is like, orders of magnitude below in terms of value because it's a static coin that moves value it's great right. but moves value um so for me ETH is head and shoulders above the rest um I have interest in some other products projects um I think Filecoin is neat but I don't know uh if it's going to gain footing um I'm obviously a participant in Rocket Pool they have a token that I think is has the potential to do well but I hate to chill that bag it's not People would yeah. assume that like that's my purpose, and it's not really. No, um, because
1: if I go buy some rocket pool, that's not going to help your rocket pool value. It's either going to go about up to or see day. what I hold. <laughs> Eight hundred oh, wow. billion rocket pools.
3: <laughs> I have really winnowed down my portfolio. I, that, I said that so, Valley Girl. I've really really winnowed, <laughs> winnowed down my portfolio. Um, so <laughs> I'm excited about the reality cards launch. Uh, they're going to have a token. I'm excited about that. So, okay. honestly, the five things in my main portfolio right now: um, ETH, Bitcoin, Rocket Pool, Filecoin, and Reality Cards. Like nice. that's that's it. That's uh, um.
1: Well, that's legit. That's yeah. just what you own. So you're not even recommending. Yeah, I saying. mean, I, I put no my values on. where my
3: I put my money where my values are. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a little difficult for me to hold on to Bitcoin. Uh, I, I only hold it because <laughs> um, because I committed not to sell it. And like I have to honor those commitments.
1: Like you signed a blood contract thing, or what? Uh,
3: I, I write down my plans. Like I uh, literally, uh, well, I don't write. I literally type them out and print them, um, yeah. and I tape a lot of them to my wall um, because I struggle with impulsivity. Uh, and if I don't, if I don't counteract impulsivity with tight planning, then I will blow everything.
1: All right, that explains uh, my, the uh, Lambo's. That explains the picture of Patricio next to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a man crush. <laughs> I,
3: I almost, I almost went to the obligatory joke there,
2: but. I don't <laughs>
0: All right, let's call this the official end. Oh, thank you so awesome. much, Fizz. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's let's, been great. Let's do this again. Am I, come, I doing this right? No, you're good. Come yeah. back. I'm for, new to this. <laughs> come back for part two, and uh, thank you for spending three hours with us. Super Fizz. Thanks, guys, for Super having me, Fizz.
2: Till next time. See
0: ya. Bye-bye. battery that I put in here wasn't from the freezer mm-hmm.
1: I feel like it didn't last as long <laughs> that's not scientific at all <laughs> hey have you ever heard of putting batteries in the uh, freezer does that do anything to the batteries <laughs> yeah I, so
3: out. I've heard that but I don't know if it's I've actually heard it but I it's supposed to preserve their life right
1: well Lim thinks they, must, they make Limb thinks them it makes the batteries perform better like you get more battery or you get more juice out of the battery uh, i wouldn't say i don't i don't know how
0: <laughs> i've had personal experience where that <laughs> i <laughs> had a, batteries. I had a battery that was in a i had a car alarm uh, beeper uh the handheld um what do you call that thing the remote and uh uh-huh. it had a battery reader on it too so it was showing a low battery and i got to work that day and i'm like oh shit i don't want this battery to die so i put the battery in i remember it was either three or uh, one out of Three or one out of four—I forget how many bars. It's but that was like a story twenty years ago. But I put the battery in the, in the refrigerator or the freezer that that sure was a pager. <laughs> it, it was kind of big. But um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I put the battery in, and guess guess what? Yeah, freaking half, half battery uh left. So
1: I'm not I'm not I don't know. It's just we got to do one of those project farm guy. Yeah, tests, yeah. Like a battery and then test, yeah. I
0: just put a new battery in this head headset, and then I told Emmett it, it, that battery seemed to like, Go dead kind of quickly get used quickly i don't know what happened because it wasn't in the fridge yeah
3: that's i don't know i just uh, do do you want to know my my personal evidence to myself that i have succeeded in cryptocurrency (laughs) is that i i purchased this thing called a battery daddy and Uh it it holds like a hundred batteries and i have stocked it with batteries and that is like as a father because all of my kids toys are like battery based Uh um it's like, I have arrived. I have a battery. <laughs> I'm living in the fucking future. Yeah. Wait,
2: so you're like, baby,
1: you need some double A's, triple A's? Does that thing recharge them or is it? Are they no, no rechar- it's, oh. it's they're, they're not
3: rechargeable. They are uh, alkaline batteries. Okay. But uh, because with with kids' toys, they they tend to sit for, you know, yeah. months at a time before being used for a few days.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, does your wife agree that, uh, your cryptocurrency endeavors are worthwhile at this point?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, okay.
1: did, yeah. I was mean, there a point where she made fun of you or really didn't care to hear about it? Or... God, <laughs> for,
2: uh,
3: wait, okay. So number one, she still doesn't care to hear about it. Like she has zero interest in any of it. Yeah. Um, I've been begging her to let me get her a, uh, an ENS an Ethereum theory Like, I, I guess, you know, those are like superfizz.eth or like uh, um and she's like, really, don't waste your money. And I'm like, <laughs> but it's not a waste. It's a this. <laughs> yeah. So she appreciates it because of the bills it pays. But she has. Z- oh, hold on. Um, so she was impressed with one of my Twitter followers, which is a guy from the Coldplay band. Oh. Uh, and she <laughs> was impressed that I had a meeting with uh, Ashton Kutcher uh, because he's some kind of big actor. Nice. and uh, sorry I don't I don't do a lot of media but like yeah she's like well maybe you're doing something all right because <laughs> um, I think and I uh, can, so go ahead to, to be fair I, I didn't have a meeting with Ashley Kutcher this he's involved with stoner cats uh yeah, yeah, and yeah. I did uh a call about stoner cats and there was some tangential like yeah. collision there but
1: a brush with celebrity yeah
3: which yeah. I, it doesn't do anything for me, but that's how she recognizes my like, <laughs> no, success.
1: That's, that's Ashton yeah. Kutcher credibility for your work.
3: <laughs> you got to do a
1: bloopers at the end.
3: <laughs> no, I think I'm going to keep
1: oh, this for the intro. So,
0: so that's printed out. I had one. Uh, <laughs> you
3: delivered the goods at this moment. I oh, okay, okay. So I was on a uh, another. <laughs> I was on a different episode of something a different podcast or something yeah i needed to uh communicate quietly with one of my with colfax from east Takers about something i don't know and yeah. the only way i could communicate at the moment was a, a dp so. <laughs> oh that wasn't it's, uh, it was fitting yeah. uh,
0: i was thinking it was a printed out nft or something oh graffiti <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah gotcha but I, mean, talk- I, I print all my <laughs> nfts so they can get stolen. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that's awesome all right, audience, stay tuned for that.
1: Thanks, SuperFizz. Cut.
3: Wait, are we still? Were we still running then? Um, well, we can keep it going. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You can choose if that goes in or not. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. It, it was a good time. Like I, it's an, three hours is a hell of a long time for me. I have a very short attention span, but it was yeah. great to uh, you just kick it for a minute.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing uh, your knowledge, man. I I appreciate being able to you know ask somebody who knows what's going on. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. For me, I mean,
0: Uh, uh, for me, I'm, I'm like a big fan because from, as a, I've been, I mined since 2016, 2016 became a staker recently or since this Genesis, but watching you help coordinate the group and just getting, I'm such a cryptocurrency enthusiast also. So to be able to talk to you, I was actually, I was totally stoked for this conversation, man.
3: Awesome. I say it's intimidating to me because um, some people see me as an expert, but then in my peer group, I'm just, I'm like, you know, the little guy in the totem pole. So, yes. you know, I, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of things that they know that are just way out of my league. So I'm, yeah. I'm always trying to figure out where I fit in, but it was, it was a great yeah. time.
1: Yeah. Well, you're the expert in my book, man. <laughs>
2: I'll take it. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> all right. Awesome. All right, guys. I'll,
0: be, I'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Super okay, Fizz. Have a good night. Thanks. Right, Fizz. Right.
2: Appreciate it. Bye-bye.